0: If you work for yourself, save up to 50% for an entire year on the new QuickBooks Self-Employed. It helps separate your business and personal expenses so you can quickly track what you spent for work and what you spent on yourself. QuickBooks Self-Employed helps take the guesswork out of estimated federally quarterly federal quarterly taxes. So come tax time, you know how much money to set aside for Uncle Sam and how much stays in your pocket. Try QuickBooks Self-Employed and receive 50% off at tryselfemployed.com slash test. Again, that's tryselfemployed.com slash test. And now on with the show.
1: Hey, let's start the show
0: it's june 18th 2015 welcome to this is only a test the official podcast of tested.com I'm Will Smith, seated directly to my left, Norman Chan. That's me. How you doing, sir? I'm all right. Are you recovered from our day trip yesterday? Yes. Perfect day trip. It was. It was an in and out like ninjas to E3. Jeremy, Jeremy Williams, you were not there. I was not. No, oh. I haven't been to
2: E3 in about a decade. It's a good, good way to live. I wish we could have brought you with us.
0: I wish I could have been there. That was. This was the year to be at E3. It, if you're into VR, if, if honestly, this was a good year for just games in general. Yeah. Like, it's been it's been a while since we've had an E3 that I came back from and was like, man, that was a good E3. But there were a ton of like surprise announcements, crazy stuff, stuff that we've been looking forward to for a long time. Yeah, it was it was there was a lot of there was, like there was a lot of crazy good looking stuff on the floor. We didn't even get to walk around on the floor very long. So oh,
1: I didn't even see the Oculus booth.
0: I saw the Oculus booth, but I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't usually. I sneak off and go look at like Mario, you know, what where Nintendo's up to. Booth? It's in the far right side, opposite where Microsoft was. Oh, so is it was in that same west, same hall. same spot as always South. been. Yeah, I walked over there to, to while well, you were seeing HoloLens. I walked over there to see the Manus VR gloves. I don't think they had a booth last year. They had a booth, Oculus. Yeah, E three. Yeah, it was right next to the Farming Simulator booth. Didn't, Remember? Didn't they have a nice uh, like multi level booth? It's like it the was multi level. Like,
1: oh, uh, previous years they were like open space. Now they do like the hmm. actual
0: they, building. Well, they stack it so they can get the most people in there demoing it and, and hopefully not getting pink eye at the same rooms, time. All yeah. about rooms now. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, so what have you been to, into, Jeremy? What, what's up with you?
2: Well, you know, I kind of followed E3 online a little bit. The Internet, eh? Yep. Which you didn't used to be able to do, but now it's it's the best way to go to E3. Yeah. Unless there's hardware. In which case you just
0: drool and you
2: you wish you could touch it.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because I was talking to a friend of mine last night who who only is covering remotely, and I mean he said basically look, usually if it's just game announcements and trailers, and it's not stuff you're going to get to pl- the stuff you care about is usually not the stuff you get to play yeah. unless you're a judge or something anyway get invited into the secret back rooms. Um, the VR stuff kind of changes that because a lot of that you can't you you don't know what that's like. There's no way to experience oculus cb1 or morpheus or hololens or any of the stuff that we saw yesterday unless you actually go there and jam it on your face so that's what we did yeah um you, youtube did coverage of e3 this year for the first time wait, what yeah did you oh, see that the slash their slash gaming thing
2: youtube.com slash e3 they did a full 12 hours of coverage on monday they uh-huh. you know all the conferences they had people come in i thought they're kind of competing with twitch because they're launching their youtube
0: for yeah. game service I thought it was kind of neat. Twitch, Twitch was real catty when in their Twitter response to uh, YouTube's game service launch. Did you see that? No, I can't remember what they said, but it was it was. um, I I remember thinking, "Wow, that's that is especially snarky." I'm, I'm, you know, good, good for you, Twitch. Go after, (laughs) tilt at those (laughs) windmills, man genuine concern because YouTube gaming can
1: be a really big thing. It could be. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you want to start off with that as, as news? Well, Twitch
2: had like millions of concurrent viewers. I want to say like 20 million people logged right. in. Right. YouTube at their peak had about half half a million.
1: Which to know with a market, you know, market share makes total sense. It's it, I think, uh, well, let's talk about YouTube gaming if we want to jump right into news. Uh, YouTube announced that they will be doing live stream gaming service. They already have live streaming service. We're using it right now, actually. Uh, but for capture and for people to broadcast 1080p, 60fps games uh, from PC, from various input sources um, to a service, that you can also do DVR functionality. So people watching your live streams can actually pause, go back, jump forward. So it's basically... Well, this you, is a, You can do that on Twitch, though, too, can't you? I, I don't know if you can. You can pause for sure. I don't yeah. know if you can go... Back while the stream is live, huh. um, but yeah, okay. Uh, this is clearly their way to get people to watch live content on YouTube. Yeah, uh, live content YouTube. Well, it's a feature that's been there. I don't think it's it's been mostly done for like big national type events, like like you know White House press conferences and you know keynotes and that kind of stuff. Uh, but they want the day to day. This is their way to you know compete with live TV. And Twitch has done a great job competing for the eyes of younger viewers. Uh, for live content um, and done an okay job archiving stuff. I know with their transition over from from Justin, there was a lot of stuff that was lost. Uh, YouTube has a lot of, you know, they have viewers that watch subscribers. You guys watch subscribe stuff on YouTube, uh, channels on YouTube. uh, And I don't know if that's going to transition over perfectly. It's going to require that people Actually, subscribe to a separate channel. So, for example, if we started a tested gaming YouTube channel, it wouldn't be part of oh weird tested. Wait, Norm, are we starting a tested gaming YouTube channel? We're not. Oh, uh, it wouldn't be like YouTube.com/slash tested.com user tested.com as we are now. Um, it would be some other thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think. I don't. Yeah, does we, that even works in the Post Plus world? I guess it does. The I mean, slash user slash name. users name is all the, the only because we can get access to tested to us. Okay. I think you can go to slash user size tested now too. No, nope.
2: Really? Well, nope. Twitch doesn't archive their videos either, do they? they? They only they only last for a week or so after they've live right. streamed. R- you used to be able to upload them to YouTube, but I bet and, that's going to change. And then that happens, like people <laughs> would transition over to YouTube. But right. I I assume that's one of the benefits of YouTube is you don't have to mess with that transition phase. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Right. So as long as the quality's there and as long as the players are there, so uh, Twitch. I think people like streaming on Twitch because it's easy. Mm-hmm. they can they can uh, the the uh, the big players can get you know revenue deals um they have ways to you know insert ads wherever they want basically uh and I don't know if the, all that stuff is gonna come over to the youtube side right like you have like, like for example if you're playing if you're a uh, like a Dota streamer or something, Uh, you can stream for as long as you you, you could. There are options where you can, for example, instead instead of just a pre-roll because it's live, you stream, 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 and then in between matches, you just click a button, and then everyone watching sees the ad. While well, you're prepping for the next match,
0: so YouTube can do that stuff right now. Like we could do that on this YouTube channel today. Say, add here, put the ad here, add here. Um, like that's in the that's in the live control panel that I'm looking at right now. Mm. The the difference that that Twitch has is there's a, also a lot of like, hey, here's like less subscription-y ways to support the channel too. So like if you, for example, if you're watching a Spelunky stream stream and banana source Rex is going for a world record or something, people get really excited and start, you know, putting, you know, $5 into the stream, a buck into the stream, he'll get a notification that, that, you know, or even can feed it into like the overlay in OBS or, or, or X split, um, that then pops up and says, "Hey, Jimbo just gave me five bucks. Thanks for supporting the channel, Jimbo." Wow! And I don't think YouTube has that kind of granularity. Nor do they have all the like the fancy chat stuff that Twitch has over the years integrated with like custom emoji for premium channels and like there's all sorts of crazy stuff in there. Right. So
1: they need to do uh, stuff on both the uh, consumer, the viewer-facing side, and on this broadcaster-facing side mm-hmm. um, to compete
0: and not just port over the existing live stream stuff. The, the broadcasting, the way the broadcasting. Stuff Stuff works on YouTube for live stuff is both a little bit better than Twitch. It's more fully featured, but it's also a lot more difficult. Um, You don't like on Twitch. You just anything that you pipe to that, to the To the URL for your Twitch stream goes up on YouTube. You have another layer of abstraction. So here we start the stream, and then we mash a button that says "Go" on the YouTube uh, live live control panel stuff. Which adds like it's great if we're sitting here and Joey's in there and he's able to mash the button for me when we bring up the show. If you're just a one person sitting in your in your garage doing this by yourself, it's going to be a little more challenging. It's more stuff to manage. Right. Um, anyway, I then, uh, I mashed the button today. <laughs> And I want, you mashed the
2: other button. I want to apologize because I did mash the button incorrectly. Oh, no. And the viewers got a little bit of a black screen when it was supposed to be a fade. I apologize. Jeremy, we're docking your pay
0: this week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you can only order... Right. Aside for lunch, right? You get you get a green salad, no French fries, <laughs> uh, and then the consumer facing side, they're launching a hub where you can you know have your own. You, you subscribe to live stream channels. You can sort by games. They're going to index twenty five thousand games. Um, there'll be an app, you know, mobile versions
0: for all that stuff. So, did, did they you know, talk about um, how this stuff is going to work on the consoles? Because like right now, you can stream to YouTube on the consoles. I think. You can definitely upload clips from YouTube from the consoles to YouTube, but, but I think, you know, the other thing that's important is people, a lot of people watch their Twitch streams on their Xbox or the PS4. And I mean, there's YouTube channels on both of those platforms at this point, I think, but I don't know if they're going to ha- get the optimized gaming experience. Like, cause that, that's, if you want to watch game streams on, they're working with partners on it. Okay.
1: No announcement. The
0: standard yeah. disclaimer,
1: uh, U.S. and UK launch for, uh, the desktop side this summer. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little out of touch with live streaming community, with the the
0: Twitch community. It so moves fast, man. It moves really fast. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, it's it's weird to me that they're breaking it off for people who have established channels. if you have an established channel that has a ton of subscribers, like we do, yeah. like we can do a game stream and people will get a thousand people watching, That's no problem. So like I, I feel like they're missing a little bit of their opportunity. But anyway, we'll we'll see how it works out. Um, should we talk about E3? Uh, first off, we have a couple of correction, uh, corrections from last week. Uh, one is that we said Beats 1, the radio station that's coming with iTunes Music, is a pay service. It's free for everybody. Um, and you can apparently add RSS feeds to the news.app, the new thing that's in iOS 9. Um, I haven't put iOS 9 on any of my devices yet. I, we haven't been here long enough to do that. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll do spend more time with that when it gets closer to launch. We're um, probably closer to open beta actually, if I had to guess uh, the other thing is that I said that the a eight X is a quad core. It's actually a tri core. I don't think that really matters, but okay. Mm. Um, and then the last thing is that, uh, this isn't a correction, but the, the two finger cursor movement on the keyboard works on the iPad and the iPhone. They didn't show that on the, on the keynote, but uh, people who've installed the beta said that, that stuff's there, which mm. is a, a blessing, I think. Um, so anyway, E3 stuff. E3. Norm, you and I got on a plane last yesterday morning, at eight o'clock. We arrived at E3 at about nine forty-five a.m. That's Maybe correct. ten. Yep. Um, had a nice cab ride. Really good cab driver. A little Prius. You know, it was sixty dollars, same as always. Um, walked in and were punched in the face with VR before we'd even gotten our gla- our badges. That's right uh, Let's start with uh, We're going we're to save the Oculus talk Because that's going to th- be a big portion of it. Do we need the VR Minute, first of all? Oh Let's, let's, let's d- queue it up d- d- I mean, if we need to Let's cue uh, it up Be official, here it is You know I like a lot of that I feel like you need more enthusiasm in the this in in the virtual reality. You sound a little jaded and bored, and I don't think that reflects your actual feelings about virtual reality, Norm. Blame whoever mixed it. Well, I didn't thanks, Hank. Uh, um,
1: okay, so the first one we saw actually was Star VR. Um, Star VR was a, a, a known coming into E3. Uh, it, they announced it last Friday. Uh, and it's a headset developed by Starbreeze Studios, a game developer. They bought the uh, Infinite Eye. Uh, this is a Swedish game developer, and um, Infinite Eye have been working on uh, I. Th- think it was supposed to be an open HMD, open source HMD with a wide field, wide field of view. So they bought this and had been, w- and worked with Overkill to make a Walking Dead demo, um, which is really interesting. I did chat with them. The video is going to go up, I believe,
0: tomorrow. Uh, but uh, we did try on the headset. So uh, what's... Just, you- uh, just, just so you know, um, Starbreeze, Starbreeze is the publisher of games like Payday 2 and Payday and... Um, the upcoming Walking Dead game and a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, they've been and making this is not a the Telltale time. Walking Dead. This is the uh,
1: the Skybound, the comic book official comic book uh, Walking Dead. Wait, no, no, TV show Walking Dead, right? I don't know which which franchise this is based on. Yeah, I, I think the I want to say Telltale is tied to the comic. Sounds right. And this could be is tied to the TV show. yes yeah. is my is my guess. The pinball machine also tied to the TV show, right? <laughs> oh you should put some pinball stuff in the in the show notes there's some inter- I think there's a cool thing that we should talk about anyway um, uh, star VR so uh, ultra wide foV uh, if you think of how the oculus and, uh, and Mor- project Morpheus for example how those headsets are designed uh, the original DK1 and DK2 were uh, basically cell phone screens Samsung cell phone screens um, mounted uh, in a landscape position yep. Uh, one screen over your eye with two lenses in front of it, and that's that's what Morpheus uses right now. It uses a, uh, a 1080p LED um, panel and LCD panel and um, with two lenses. Uh, the new crop of headsets from SteamVR, from VA, HTC, and also on the Oculus side now use two panels that are mounted in the portrait orientation, uh, and there are reasons for that, which we talk we'll talk about when we get to the Oculus part. StarVR. Is two panels, but there are two panels mounted an angle. They're in a V. In a V. Like right in front of your eyeballs. Yep. In the landscape orientation, and that gives them this really, really wide view of the view. And they're so using So wait,
2: so part of the screen is further away from your eye than the other yeah, part of so the center.
0: And they didn't huh. like they, they they put the goggles on and off us so we didn't get a good chance to look at what was going on inside. Um, did you did you see? I couldn't even tell if there were optics in front of the screens. Oh yeah, there, 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 there were definitely different lenses,
1: and the optics are the really challenging part because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why do you have optics in uh, VR? And the optics are not only. Uh, to enhance your field of view, but also so you have this infinite uh, the focus, so that you can focus lens. on can fo- something so close so to your ex- eyeball exactly. And the optics when uh, have to be adjusted when lenses are mounted at an angle to your eyes, so you can actually see to the edge. Right. So the, they're really if you want to really want that two hundred and ten degrees.
2: So part of the optics are going to be different than other parts because yeah. they part are designed to focus on something that's actually closer exactly than the other part.
1: So not only are uh, there challenges in the optics for the angle. But also for the, wi- the how wide it is, because the wider, the bigger the screen, the, you know, the edge of the optics have to also work for the edge of the screen. Yeah, well, uh, or you just lose the edge of the screen. Or you just lose it, and yeah. because they want to push that two hundred and ten degree uh, field of view, horizontal field of view, one hundred and thirty vertical, they needed really special optics. And they're using Fresnel lenses, which diffuse the you know the screen door effect. They're using two twenty five sixty by fourteen forty panels. Whoa! Um, so they're calling it five K resolution. That's kind you know, of bullshit are. though cuz it's really that's per eye. It's 2.2k per eye. Right, 2.5k but you're yeah. you're still rendering for 5k total. Okay. I'm mean, just like there's a 4K, you know, a 2K
0: panel in the in yeah, Morpheus. More, is, more pixels yeah. per eye. Right? It's, it's yeah. more. It's more. more the yeah. screen door was much less pronounced on that than any other headset we've used. However, for me, that was immediately offset by the fact that I couldn't keep the the sweet spot of the lenses so, in lined up with my eyeballs. Uh. Here's
1: here's where the the, the the challenge of that lens the it, it really isn't overcome at least yeah. in this prototype is uh, something we also learned coming out of E3 is for for lens. Is, which Oculus is using, StarVR is using, there is a sweet spot. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest differences, as we'll talk about in the Oculus, uh, where they refined uh, consumer rift versus Crescent Bay. In StarVR, that sweet spot, where your eyes position in relation to that lens uh, and where, for clarity, was much smaller, mm-hmm. which means if the headset, which is, was heavy... Jostled out of the way a little bit. We were constantly, both one and I think, we were adjusting the headset to get to that sweet spot. Otherwise, it would look blurry. Glasses on?
0: Uh, I t- actually had no. Glasses you had off. to take your glasses off. Yeah. I wore contacts. Um, I wouldn't have been able to see it without contacts. In it was. It was. Um, th- I mean, okay. First off, I, I apologize. I had to go get UPS a second ago, but. Um, it, this is very clearly an early prototype, right? Yeah. This is not something that they're expecting to ship. They're not talking about shipping or anything like that, right? Yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, but but they want to. I mean, even though there's a prototype, the direction they're going in, um, they make they made their choices are for wide field of view over, for example, low persistence and over frame rate right now. So um, how do, how do you like it? So 60 FPS, it was definitely you saw a shutter when you shook your head around. Uh, the the actual wide field of view part of it yeah. um, was cool, but the demo they designed for it didn't didn't make use of it hmm. as much as they could
0: have. The um, the the thing that I noticed immediately is that. You, like the, their software, their rendering stuff was, was not as good as as the stuff. I mean, obviously the people have been working on it longer, but you, you had, you know, in the early DK one days when you'd see a demo and somebody didn't have the, the light left eye, right eye rendering lined up the way your brain expects that to be. Yeah. And you had like a disc, your, your brain had to, to kind of squinch edges of things to li- make them be where they should be, mm-hmm. especially when things got close to the camera. Uh, there was a lot of that, like it, that stuff was real rough. And if you got motion sick in VR, it would have been a bad experience. I right. Think.
1: So the demo they made was a, a Walking Dead theme demo where you're a character in a wheelchair and they actually sat you in a wheelchair. Um, so you're you know it's on rails essentially. Someone in the game is pushing you through the world. Uh, you wear on the headset so you can look around. There is positional tracking. So the other interesting thing is they're using positional tracking with a camera and fiducial markers. This is like the the uh, opposite like, of the valve steam The room.
2: fiducials are on the
1: headset. They're on the right? headset, yes. Yeah. They're exactly. on cubes that are mounted to the top to yeah. the sides they're, of the headset, or on the front of the headset and on top of the the gun yes so on the headset they had markers because it's an angle yet on 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 the both sides and on the top and bottom and also on this accessory they gave you a, a plastic shotgun to hold uh, with you know working trigger and also working um, a slide a slide uh, with two cues mounted to get a full view of the camera and they didn't Give many details, the technical details at all about, um, you know, the field of view of the camera and the, rest the latency and responses and IMU stuff. It's obviously combined with IMU data. They said there's an IMU for yeah. sure, yeah, in both the yes. shotgun and the glasses. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it really showed that with good IMU data, I presumably you know high polling rate and good good data and, and good software, the positional tracking with even with QR codes was good. Like this is. Probably the, it's it's like you know when we talked last week about the difference between uh, lighthouse positional tracking and um, IR base in uh, constellation we didn't know what the trade offs would be in accuracy distance from the camera you know or the you know what where the limitations are even. With QR codes, that's like the far end of what, of what constellation, mm-hmm. the low end of what constellation, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's dumb markers, not yeah. blinking, no syncing, but there was it was still good enough. Well, okay.
0: and a li- much much more limited number of points than constellation so, or lighthouse right. has.
1: So it builds confidence on
0: on positional tracking. You know, it's even you know software can compensate for a lot of that. Well, the thing the thing I noticed, like if you wanted to know where it stands in terms of positional tracking compared to say DK1, DK2, it's definitely more on the DK2 side than the DK1 side. Well, DK one um, had no position. had training. no right. Exactly, it was just using skeletal interpolation and the and the gyroscope and accelerometer. It wasn't a great experience. This was this was pretty good, um, and you were able to like your range was pretty good. Like as far as I could lean outside of the wheelchair, I was I was yeah. able to to, to do those stuff that I needed to do. Um, the The big thing for me was that the headset, the ergonomics of the headset were real rough. It was very, very heavy, front heavy, especially, more so than any of the early Oculus prototypes or any of the stuff that we've seen before. Um, And it was constantly riding down on your cheekbones and you had to constantly push it back up and it got fogged up because it was moving around. And like it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a real rough experience. Now, the thing that they did was they gave you the shotgun, which was also tracked um, in awful six degrees. That was super cool because you could do things like hold it up. Over your head and shoot off to the side. Did the you model use in- inverse kinematics to move his arms? Yeah, around so to they. Follow the yeah. Gun? We saw a lot of inverse kinematics this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, the, yesterday. Yeah, so they inverse kinematics means that they take the position of your hand of the of where you want the endpoint to be, or in this case, where the endpoint is because you've moved it, and then they reverse. Engineer the joints of the skeleton to, to basically put them in places that they could conceivably be, which usually line up with where you know yeah. where you are in the real world. But sometimes you end up with really hilarious yeah. misrepresentations of where your hands it, are. It's what roboticists use also it's to help
1: program Va- bipedal robots and quadrupedal mm-hmm. robots. Valve has shied away from doing that, interestingly,
2: and I guess Oculus as well because yes. there there's an, enough of an immersion factor if you just show
0: the thing that actually is tracked. That's and that's the thing that was yes. So because b- the problem that they had with this thing was that eventually it would drift enough that your head, your viewport would be way too close to your shoulders and you'd be looking over and your shoulder would be way up, way up here like you were in football pads or something almost. Um it was a really the other thing that I, I want to mention about this is that they were doing some really kind of cheesy stuff that works really well in VR. So they had people standing all around you watching you do the demo, of course. And when you were at a place where the zombies were grabbing at your wheelchair, the guy behind you would kind of shake the wheelchair a little bit. <laughs> nice. um yeah. or when the when somebody would when the zombie would grab your shoulder in the game, they would grab your shoulder. and I mean, I don't it, 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 it was mean, super scary. It means uh I mean all this all it means outside of what Star VR
1: uh is that you can do a lot of things to assist in the virtual reality experience like Haptic rumble,
0: yeah, strapping a subwoofer on your chair exactly. is, is a thing that we're
1: going to see again. And I think things that developers can build yeah. into their games, optional accessories that will enhance the experience. Uh, the experience of holding the shotgun, a, a physical object, and have that represented. Even if I would have been happy if it was a physical, just a floating shotgun with no arms,
0: just having that. I think it would have been better as a floating yeah. shotgun with no arms, probably.
1: Uh, be able to look down the virtual sight of that by holding the, the shotgun up to the headset yeah. was super cool. Right. Now they did not put tracers in the game for the shotgun blast and it would it seemed really like wild accuracy they didn't want it to be like pinpoint accuracy
0: but I I think they could have done some cool things they were they were cheating They uh, so I did that loop twice while you were doing the interview so I I experimented the second time they they were fast and loose with aim on the shotgun so the zombies that they wanted to die died as long as you shot Shot, uh, a blast in the general vicinity of the shot of the of the zombie it was it was a you know it was an e3 demo not oh, a tech. real game so yeah. it,
2: it seems like the thing that they're really pushing or at least the thing that got pressed about this hardware was the fov though and you guys yeah. don't don't seem to come away from it thinking fov is something that it, oh no no
1: it, a no, 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 it was it, wonderful it, it, it was Anthony yeah does make a difference but you have to design a game that will take advantage of it like this where in in the moments wearing star vr prototype where you know the optics were perfectly aligned and I wasn't fogged up uh I didn't feel like I was wearing binoculars
0: but like here's the thing a a narrow the environments that they were in you started out in a hospital it was dark it was a zombie post-apocalypse you went outside into an alley also a narrow dark corridor there wasn't a lot to look at it was very dark for the most part except for places that were spotlit you know half-life style or left for dead style um i think that the you the fov is much more Interesting in a in an expansive environment. Like if you're in an exploration, if you're playing like a Zelda-like game where you're exploring an overland, or you know you're you're coming out of the the vault in Fallout, or you're coming over the cliff in Skyrim, and you have this massive world laid out in front of you, like that's the stuff that I want to see with the wide FOV. Or the God or shorters are super boring yeah. for me yeah. in the wide FOV. I think the God perspective is tough with the wide FOV because I think you're going to get a weird lens distortion. No, the God perspective if it's, if it's like
1: Lucky's Tale. Being able to see the entire map, you don't need to focus on it, but just having that is more immersive. Or the, the floating island game, um, you know, Maybe. you don't need to render stuff, but just having color and detail out 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 in the, in the
2: peripheral. Having seen a wide FOV, do you think it should be a high priority for Oculus and
0: Valve? Um, well, let's talk about that when we get to Oculus and All Valve. Right. Uh, well, Valve Valve wasn't at E first off, so we're not going to talk about Valve mm-hmm. today. Um, um, the 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 last. I think that's it for Starbreeze for well, me. The point. Oh, sorry. The, the API
1: stuff we should talk about. The reason they are making a headset as a game development studio is they want to own end to end. They didn't talk about developer relations at all. They said they were, you know, embracing Valve's open VR standards. Uh, you know, they have their games on Steam. I asked them how easy it would be, to, you know, for a developer to port existing VR games or, or stuff to to work with, you know, is it just FOV change and rendering more? And they couldn't commit to that. They said that they're they're developing something that's going to be optimized for their Valhalla engine. Hmm. Um, and if there's only like one, if it's only a handful of games, you know, I know they want to be on top of the VR stuff, but they need to move fast they and better get be people on board. Good games. Yeah. Do they have Unity and Unreal on board? They they didn't say. They said
0: they'd talk their engine. Okay. Yeah, so that, that like... I mean, I'm okay with there not being VR standards, VR equivalents of OpenGL and DirectX. But I think, like, with the number of games that come out that use Unity, the number of VR games that are that are in the pipeline that use either Unreal or Unity, I think if you don't support, if you don't work with those, then you've got issues. Um. Uh, okay. Next on the list, we saw we went and saw uh, Morpheus. Do you want to do Morpheus first? Yeah, let's talk about Morpheus. Or we can talk about HoloLens if you want. Um. Let's do Hololens uh, real quick. Okay. Um, so you saw. So I saw Hololens at build a few months ago. Um, did a kind of programming coding demo. You had your first Hololens experience yesterday. What did you think?
1: Um, so this was not the Minecraft demo. Uh, okay. that they showed on the press. This is actually a demo they didn't mention at all. I don't know if many people have written about it or uh, talked about it. This is called Project X-Ray, and it was a first-person shooter. Uh, they called it Mixed Reality FPS. And to let everyone know, we actually didn't get a chance to shoot video. They wouldn't let any, no photos, no video in this demo room. Uh, so I was brought into a room, as better lit than the room we're in now, um, about... Fifteen feet by fifteen feet, four walls with some minor like, you know, small ca- uh, furniture, chairs in the, in the edges, and small table. Uh, put on the Hololens, wireless. You know everything we've talked about before. It looked like the same hardware
0: um, that people had saw it build. I think that the hardware is pretty final, from what I understand. Yes.
1: From what I understand, the field of view problem is they're
0: not they're, Th- they're not going to change that. That's a second. Like the we've had some off the record or off. Uh, uh, um, it, background conversations with people that imply that that's a problem that won't be solved unless that type of display manufacturing gets ramped up. Yeah, and up. I think they said on the Giant Bombcast yesterday that that's
1: it. You're They're referring like, to the fact that HoloLens appears in a window in front of you. It's, yes, it's the it's, projections. I'm going to call them projections instead of holograms. The That's, projections, that's, that's the right word. Um, fit only appear in a rectangle. Uh, if you hold your cell phone, let's say you have a five-inch cell phone. You want to hold it about a foot from your face.
0: That's about eighteen um, inches. That's I, I make a I make a rectangle with my hands, like I'm making a sixteen by nine rectangle yeah. and hold it twelve inches from my face. Yes. And that's about your, the that's hold about your five inch cell phone view. a foot from your face and that's where you can see the projections. Like okay. in in order to get that Minecraft scene that they had on the keynote. Which was on a probably three foot by three foot or four foot by four foot plinth into your entire field of view the way they were implying you were gonna see it in the in the keynote video, Mm -hmm. you would have to be ten feet away, I think. So yeah. Yeah, it's like that that stuff was that your initial reaction when you put it on was oh shit, the FOV is small. I mean, I knew that I that was the anticipation that FOV would be small. Were you surprised Um, still, or did you feel like it was met your expectations?
1: My expectations were appropriate, but I was unimpressed by the FOV. Yeah. Uh, Did you adapt
0: to the FOV after you used it for a to, moment or two? Yeah,
1: you're, you're forced to. But the, so I'll, I'll describe the game. Uh, the other aspect of the Hololens is that everything else in the world is perfectly clear to you. Like the even though in the photos it looks like it's you know of uh, uh, smoked glass. Yeah. Um, it's perfectly translucent. You it's, can just see through the world. It's, it's the world. It's
0: very. It's very lightly smoked. Very, it's like very lightly, it, it, like the demo room that I was in. at build was lit like a like a Virgin America plane at takeoff. Right when the lights are still on, and you could see everything fine. It wasn't. It wasn't like wearing a pair of sunglasses. So the
1: the game though they called it a Project X Ray, and um, this was like that magic leap. Uh, YouTube demo which everyone criticized where they had people you know aliens crawling through the wall and breaking through the wall because mm. that's what this was um, so they gave me an Xbox controller to hold in one hand and all I did with an Xbox controller was use uh, the trigger buttons one for a slow-mo and one for the fire um, and to aim your cursor is right in the center it's only head look there's no you know there's no eye look the cursor the target is right in the center of that FOV uh, but the room was scanned. They didn't tell me, they couldn't confirm whether it was scanned beforehand or was being done in real time. Um, but what was scanned was the walls. So this is clearly a software thing. They said, you know, only put the wall for this game, for this piece of software, the structure that matters that we scan uh, are the walls. Ignore furniture, ignore small things, ignore, ignore people. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the walls, you know, I had a character fly in the room around me, like like uh, like a flying robot. Talk to me. Positional sound was really good. Um, and then I heard, a cr- you know, rumbling, and there were cracks in the walls, and you know, it, the wall piece of it broke open, and a pipe came through, and then aliens flew out of it, and I had to shoot them. Um, and that was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the aliens
2: couldn't be occluded by anything. In the environment C- correct
1: right? uh, so if I put my hands in front of where the alien would be I would just see a, it would be in front of my hand yeah and I could see my hand a little bit and still see it um, better than it was more opaque than Google Glass but it wasn't perfectly opaque right. it wasn't distracting um, and there was nothing in the environment behind which they could hide or anything. exactly so the people like for the people the other demo the people giving the demo the chairs and the furniture uh, when I looked at them the alien flew over them. It just went over, over them. Got it. Like the whole, like I could fire a blast and create a crack in the wall. And I tried shooting at the people, mm-hmm. and it just created the crack. And it, that's when it looked weird. It goes like, see the like people. it ignores the people. There it ignores the people, yeah. and it tried to just create a cr- the crack that was, you know, adjacent to the wall. Um, but it was very believable. The, the when when I looked at the flat wall and had the you know had the monsters burst burst out, and when I shot the walls and you know, they created a fake facade behind the wall, brick wall
0: and some piping. That sounds cool. Um, and they do a really good job generating an illusion of depth in yeah. something that's a one D plane. Yeah. Right. Cause they're doing shading like, like a cartoon, like you would in a cartoon to indicate that there's, you know, an inch of gypsum board that's, that's flat shaded gray and has shadows and they're appropriate to the room and all that. It wasn't super deep. So it wasn't like I could blow a hole in the wall and look into a world behind
1: it. Oh, it see, was maybe that, about a foot deep of where they put the other stuff, but
0: that's, that's just a software call. problem. I mean, right. They the, could have rendered that. The thing that we did in build was literally a world behind a hole in the floor. So like when I, at first you shot the hole, you were supposed to put the hole in the floor. And then I realized that if you could put the hole in the ceiling, then you'd be inside the world underneath there. And I was able to shoot the, shoot the hole in the ceiling, walk, clip hmm. through the wall of the underground world. Yeah. And then walk around, agra- walk around in the underground world.
2: Were you impressed by the fidelity of the graphics? Because they can put all those
1: pixels into a small box. Yeah. So, you know, there wasn't a photo reel. It was like kind of, you know, cell shaded type graphics. Uh, but I was really impressed with the latency and the registration, how, how well that stuff tracked. Really? Um, hmm. Yes. Like, place, I, I shook my head a bunch, you know, rotated. Things didn't jump around. Things, yeah. The, the, oh, yeah there yeah. was
0: no hopping. It wasn't like an early connect connect game That's where, impressive. like, it yeah. would be here and then it would jump around and then yeah. it would snap back. Um, the other thing that the other thing that it did um, that I was impressed by was it was really good at detecting flat surfaces and where like what was in play basically. So it wouldn't let you put something on like a person where it wouldn't make sense or that they could move because they there wasn't enough flat area yeah. basically on the person. So
1: for a shooter, where it really broke was that field of view where when the monsters when aliens the robots flew out of that rectangle, um, when they were completely out of the rectangle. I thought that was okay uh, because they designed it so the cursor would give you a little arrow to point to where they were in the room mm-hmm. and i would just move my head quickly mm-hmm. um, and I could dodge you know, the things they were firing at me but when they were being
0: half rendered in the rectangle and partially off of it right. that's when it really broke and there's a like hard cut where, where they stop rendering cut. yeah yeah. Um, the, the other thing I, that's worth mentioning is that the fill, the amount of pixel fill on the display is really, really high. So it's much closer to something like the Avogant display that we looked at at CES that uses DLP projection than, say, a traditional LCD, where the amount of light generated is relatively small compared to the overall size of the pixel. Mm-hmm. So there isn't... I didn't notice a screen door effect at all. Um, and, and that, to me, makes me as optimistic about this as anything else because I think that, that maybe... Like, I think they could get away with the same number of pixels, but make the pixels bigger and you'd still be you'd still get good effects um, to, to give you more coverage area in terms of FOV going forward. Um, what what. Uh, did, so when I when I did the demo, I noticed that there was definitely some jutter when you were moving, um, like circling an object, like circle strafing around an object. I didn't notice that. Now I was definitely circle strafing. Like okay. I had
1: the robot. They actually froze the demo for me. because oh,
0: You moved around the room. Yes,
1: I, I was walking around the room the hmm. whole time. Because it's wireless, it's self-contained. Thing. Yeah, so walking around, and I actually bumped into furniture, because I forgot the furniture was there, because as I tried to get close to the hole in the wall to look through it, my hmm. fo- like, there was a chair below me, and I just bumped into it. And they saw I was trying to inspect these projections, so they paused the game at one point, and I went a- walked around the robot, looked at the robot, and it was convinced. I mean, it was a cartoon uh, essentially, but it looked like it was in that space with me. How
2: how close could you get to him?
1: Ah, so that's another thing we we did talk about in the video. Uh, Once I got to about six inches from it, it did gray out. So So it doesn't render all the way up to close to your
0: eyes. The developer that I talked to at Build said that that's a, uh, like, we actually changed that setting in the application. Um, You can set where the clip plane is for the render. And and if you set it 24 inches out, it will clip two feet from front of your face. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we ended up setting it at three inches and I could literally put my face into objects before they clipped. Wow. Um so so that's a that's up to the developer to decide how they want to have. So
2: it's it. interesting when you talk about this field of view that, that having this box in front of you it's still three dimensional in terms of being able to get close to you. Oh yeah, you So
0: it's like a cone of I would imagine. Yeah, the further away it is yeah. the 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 better or, the thing yeah. is. Now the thing that you're limited by is the is the headset's map of the room. So you were probably in a relatively small room where it was able to map the entire thing and had a probably well established map of the room. We were in a big like ballroom in a hotel um so you could walk outside of the area that was mapped and it's, it's, it's since they're using stereo depth cameras it, it figure 15 feet maybe on the outside probably with the best results inside 10, 10 in the like 10 to zero feet but it keep Because it has IMUs and it's tracking your position throughout the room, you, Like it will keep the map of the parts of the room that you've been in or presumably that other people that are using headsets and are on the same network as you have been in. Mm-hmm. So did more than one person have the glasses on in your room or was it just you? Just me. Yeah, I, I want to see this working with multiple people. Um, and I really want to talk to somebody about FOV. Like we've never been in a situation. Was there anybody there could talk about technical stuff with no, you? They refuse to. Yeah. We, we haven't like they don't let anybody film it. Cause I, I mean, I understand why, cause it's going to, people look super dumb when they're walking around with these headsets on, um, and waving their hands in front of them and stuff. The, the, like what I, I didn't get a strong feeling that they knew what people were going to use this for when I had the demo. Did you, I feel like that had changed.
1: It really sounds like with between the Minecraft stuff and the ga- this stuff, they really you know want to put gaming applications on this. Um, but it, you're also at E3, it, it, exactly. It seems like from all the things we've heard about for uh, for Hololens, they're trying so many things, which at this point um, it feels like very up in the air on Microsoft's side of what their marketing for this is going to be like, wh- if this presumably is sold by the end of the year they, they've they already said it's going to be more you know c- kind of expensive You're, it's going to be more expensive than you know 300 bucks well it's a, its a own computer, computer. It, it is yeah. it's a self-contained own computer has its own battery and everything um, but how are they going to sell it like I don't know what that marketing campaign looks like
0: yeah I don't know why you buy this is the, is the big yeah, issue and, and right now. It
1: sounds like not only I, I don't care that I don't know because they haven't shown us everything yet but it really feels like they don't know. That was it the seems, feeling I it got. It seems
2: like it has a lot of commercial applications. I mean you could imagine museums adopting this as something that they rent out to make exhibits come alive. Yeah. but Or, or an evolution of laser tag where Constru-
1: uh, yes and definitely like yeah but that's that's limited and even in the professional workspace. Right. You know engineering architecture. Architecture. The, that seems like the best and it, that that's where this really feels like a microsoft
0: product so one of the demos they showed patrick when he went he could see there were two loops at build and he went on the like the app demo the app loop and i was on the programming loop um the 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 app loop they had an architecture demo where you looked at like a blank wall and then it rendered in the room that was going to be on the other side of that wall behind it Mm -hmm. um and that that stuff sounds interesting i i just i think like a lot of it's going to be limited by the small FOV, and they're really not doing themselves right. any favors by doing the like those Minecraft like that Minecraft video that they showed at the press conference when they hook a Hololens up to a camera,
2: yeah, and it fills the full FOV of the camera, yeah. That's not indicative of what it looks like and just to be clear
0: it could be fair because that they could be using lenses that mimic the fov of the covered part of the lens right but that doesn't mimic the human experience which is what people are seeing that and they're thinking their whole vision is filled with exactly with 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 the projections um the other thing is everything they've shown so far has been kind of viewers like they haven't shown a whole lot of here's stuff you like they had that first demo in january that was here's some here's working this weird 3d rendering application but they haven't after that like the Minecraft thing was all demos. It was like a viewer for somebody else's world. You could right. follow your friend walking through the Minecraft world. Um, so I, like I have a lot of questions about it. I'm, I'm still interested. In it. I, like, I, I think it's
2: neat. You could say lightning bolt, right? You flash lightning strike and you could send lightning into
0: yeah. the world. So it seems like voice commands are the main way you interact with it. Yeah. Did, they, did you
1: do any gestures at all? No, and actually it's disabled gestures because this was a compad one. Okay. Um, and the, even like the act of showing me the gamepad, mm-hmm. what else was supposed to do with activating the gesture accidentally.
0: So they disabled it. So we, um, we have a video for that coming up. There's no footage. It's just us talking about like right after you came out of the room, we sat down and talked in the Microsoft booth about what, what the experience was like. Um, uh, how did you think projections were pretty opaque, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, that stuff is amazing yeah. in, in a lot of I, ways.
1: My feeling is that, um, I, I find it hard to believe that no one at Microsoft has the uh, any idea what Magic Leap's FOV is. Um,
0: I don't know, man. They're pretty secret.
1: I, I know Magic Leap is pretty secret, but like MIT people have seen Magic Leap, like I'm a Technology Review, and it's not like complete black box right now. Right. Uh, so, you think they're trying to get out in front of Magic Leap? Well, if someone if if someone at Microsoft research or if anyone at Microsoft working on this has an idea of what the FOV and that's their direct competitor for AR uh, of magic leap, they, then they're making a strategic decision of one, uh, oh, they're comfortable thinking that magic leap is w- w- close to magic leap's FOV, which we don't know what it is. Or two, that they think that that's a decision, a strategic decision to just release ahead of it and have better marketing. Um, but if magic leap is really super wide FOV, you know, full side to side, at least just horizontal FOV, mm-hmm. um, that would
0: kill this. Yeah. As a concept. If it's, if it's the bigger FOV wins with dog augmented stuff, I think, um, unless it's not standalone or you and, know, and like the course, sta- standalone is super, is hard to overestimate its usefulness and, and taking into account perfect registration yeah. and opacity. Um, I went and saw uh Manus VR. They're making uh, virtual reality gloves. Um, And they're they're working with the Gear VR right now. So they had a Samsung Galaxy S6 in the Gear VR, what is it called, 2, DevKit 2, whatever. Um, With the back off, and they're using the camera from the phone? So they had the back off, and they they had a wide-angle lens on the phone camera. Oh, Um, interesting. And then they had uh, gloves that felt like just normal nylon gloves with an IMU on the top that had the Bluetooth receiver and the battery and all that stuff to run that. But then they had... um, uh, like a, a, a resistive uh, a material that was running in in strips down the back of each finger, mm-hmm. starting at your at the bone, basically uh, on the top of your hand, hmm. and then running down the finger that adjusted. Uh, resistance when you bend your finger. Yeah. So similar to the old power glove, if you want to get old school about it. Um, but you, so you put, we didn't do a video for this because we were, it was a crazy busy day. Um, but basically you put the gloves on and then they put uh, colored socks over the top of the IMU just to hold it in place. Mm-hmm. Um, one was one color, and one was the other. And that was the way they could differentiate the right hand and the left hand in the camera. Um, and they were taking the visual tracking data, the finger movement data and the IMU data and combining that to do what I would call pretty low update rate, but very high fidelity, um, like ha, 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 very, very well done. Wow. finger, finger, like it was much better than anything we've seen before that used a bunch of IMUs on your fingertips and stuff like that. So, what did you actually see in the? So you put the, the goggles on, and the thi- they had a game demo that was basically it was kind of like a, a like a Res style shooter that wasn't you weren't moving through tunnels, but you were in a world you could turn around and shoot stuff on all sides, um, and you could make gun. Fingers to shoot laser bullets, basically. Uh-huh. Really? Um, or you could make fists uh-huh. and charge up a like a like a super missile attack, and then release it and shoot ninety missiles all at once. Um, and and the registration, like, I don't know. I feel like the fidelity would not be good enough to say pick something up and hand it to somebody else with the Gear VR hardware, just because the Gear VR has no way to track where other people are in the room and all that stuff. Yeah. But it, it was it was much better than I was expecting given the kind of nature uh, it's a simple it's relatively simple hardware right um and they they very light the gloves were very light the imu was weighed less than a cell phone um it seemed like the kind of thing you could wear for a while. The stuff that they were showing was obviously prototypes and not, like, final industrial design. Um, but you calibrated it. You held it up in front of yourself and to calibrate. Put your fists inside the circles. Um, and it said, okay, open your left fist, open your right fist, close your, close both, cl- open both, close both, open both. And then it was like, okay, play. And it, and it worked shockingly well. And how far behind your movements was the uh, virtual movement? That was very fast. The thing that was happening was the update rate on the movements seemed, like a significant fraction of the frame rate of the game demo. So if the game demo was running at 60 frames a second, I would say that the updates were maybe happening 15 times a second. So it was that like that, like the movement of your finger instead of being a smooth fluid movement. Was kind of chunky. Hmm. Yeah, but it was neat. I mean, I th- I thought it was impressive. They said it wasn't going to be super expensive. They were looking at like 200 bucks. Um, is there is the thought that they're working on working toward right now and for And your re- release crowdfunding thing. I, they're going to crowdfund it at some point in the not okay. future I assume. That sounds promising. Um, it was like it is the kind of thing that is it's good that it exists. I yeah. I would wait to see who's going to support it and what the applications are going to look like before spending my money on it, but it's promising technology. Um and, and it's the best application of that that I've seen so far. I, I
2: hope they consider haptics because the one thing I want is to be able to feel things come back onto mm. my hands,
0: you know, Some, mm. even vibration, something small. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just direct electrical stimulation, right? Sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. Zap you. So let's uh, talk about Morpheus decks. Can we talk about Kanye first? Because yes. we saw Kanye before Morpheus. Perfect. Yeah, well, we saw Kanye at Morpheus. Yes. Uh, so we went into the Morpheus we, A, I was kind of surprised that we rate the special celebrity room at E3 now. Usually they just dump us off in some side room someplace. So this was great Same good. room with Giant
1: Bomb. Um, so, I mean, this this goes back to why going to E3 and going to these events is important um, for one of those hard, new hardware to show. And even games on interesting hardware like virtual reality hardware. Uh, Morpheus, Sony had, lots of more 30 Morpheus games are being shown in the show floor Damn. and they were that big booth set up a giant booth set up they had just developer meeting room and we went to the the press meeting room where they had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, six. six. Six
0: demos um, that were uh, all a little different. Um, like and and different. Like di- when you say a little bit different, you mean different perspectives, different types of. Ga- like there was a puzzle game, inter- there was interac- a shooter, there was a um, a racing type thing. Interactions the, were different. Yeah. Uh, but different Kanye Kanye
1: was there, <laughs> wearing doing the London heist demo, shooting guys with his uh, Uzi, virtual Uzi out of a out of a truck and saying things like. Like,
0: super dope. Super dope. Super dope. <laughs> super dope. Um, he was having a lot of fun. I thought he was sitting in a way that I've never seen anybody sit and play VR games before. Yeah. Like normally you get in the VR chair and you kind of rear back and you let your head do the work. He was fully like leaned over hunched hands on the control on the game pad. Like, like, controllers. Yeah, was it move controllers? Leaning way forward and like just super into it. It was really funny. Super dope is exactly what VR is. I I think think VR is super dope. (laughs) Yes. I'm totally okay with that. Uh,
2: But then. I envy anyone who's coming into VR at this stage, you know, for the first time, who's trying on a VR
0: goggle at this, this year. So the funniest part of that whole thing was. We walked in and they were like, they had signs up everywhere that were like, "No shooting." I was like, "What the fuck, man?" I specifically asked for the meeting that we could shoot stuff, <laughs> and then you know, I was, I was like, I was a little pissed because I was like, we're, we're, we're giving you an hour here. Come on, man. So he's like, "No, no, look over there." I was like. Oh, oh, that's why we can Okay, no cell phones either. By the way, so this is, yeah, this is we where didn't get selfies. How with Kanye. we know that we were late twenty minutes to the meeting because we were running around,
1: and they found the, for the wrong places. Kanye was in the room that we were supposed to go to, and they still let us in.
0: Yeah, uh, I felt. Uh, good thank, about, you, I, thank you. Thank so you so much, Sony. Yeah, Sony. yeah, thanks, Andrew.
1: Um, um, so, uh, the, the games we'll go. I mean, we, there's a video that's going to go up uh, early next week where we describe basically all the games. You start with Super Hypercube. Um, But uh, I don't want to talk through every game in detail. Um, are you going to talk about the hardware? Has it evolved? Yeah, so the, the hardware definitely has evolved, not in the uh, what, how it looks on the inside. I think it still looks very similar to what uh, we saw, if not exactly the same as what we saw back at GDC, but the ergonomics are improved. Yeah. Um, the way you put on the headset, it's still this, this halo ring that sits more like a crown, but the way you slide that in, it's a slide system for the top, to To put it uh, over your head, and then you tighten it in the back, and then there's an additional slider for uh, the headset, so you kind of push it into your face. Uh, you get very, very little pressure or contact uh, on your face because the, the the rubber gaskets they use instead of like the foam stuff. It's not like that's been true, yeah. since their first generation. Exactly. Uh, so there, it's great. Felt great ergonomically. Um, the you know the the tracking stuff was as accurate I think I think as it always has been. I,
0: I feel like the Move Controller is a good, like it's a good entry point for like hand tracking in VR. Like it works pretty well.
1: I would say yeah, it works. It works pretty well. Um, some of the demos tried to do inverse kinematics, which I think didn't think worked well. Um some, but the Move Controller as a for example because that works bo- it has a function both as a you know a pistol grip and also for holding things like flashlights like in that London Heist demo we played at GDC the flashlight you held with the movement controller was not your American style flashlight where you hold it like like uh, you point Light, you hold it like uh, vertically. Right. Um, so the ergonomics of holding a move controller. If anyone who has a move controller at home right now can can try it. If you try to hold it like a pistol, it feels weird. It um, kind of.
0: You kind of have to rest it diagonally against your. Yeah, palm, yeah. The angle of it is isn't
1: perfect for for that representation, but I think it's okay. There was no new. Move controller unveiled. I know a few days ahead of E3, there's these images leaked online Well, <laughs> could have been moved to. And Sony has now said, and even Palmer said this, that was just like some design firm who wanted some PR. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, so... It's still the same move controllers. You're going to get positional tracking with that. You get tracking also with the um, the, the DualShock the, 4. Because it has uh, the light. has the light and IMUs on the inside. So the representation of that in the game can be pretty accurate, although you don't get your
0: fingers, obviously. Um, um, well, And that, that, is, that is an order of magnitude jankier than the move, I would say. The, the, the DualShock. Did you see it in the Super HyperHipmo Cube? That one was pretty good. It that still was, was still good. hopped around a little bit. It didn't hop. Around um, I right. might be because I'm a little taller than you. Like I was maybe holding it in a different spot or something. Yeah. Uh, the, the the kitchen demos were the kitchen changing. demo was rough. And that was the, a lot of it was reverse
1: kinematics yeah. and also where the boundaries of tracking were. Yeah. Um. So, uh, as a general overview, without giving to what every game was, because you got to watch the video, because we were able to shoot the screens
0: for the game, mm, which most people don't let it you do exactly. Um puzzle game? Fantastic. Super Hypno Cube is a game that's being published by Polytron, and it's built by a a small uh, game collective that's distributed all over the world. If you've ever seen the Japanese game uh, uh, um, game show hole in the wall where people have to like form puzzles. They wear these big helmets and then a big giant styrofoam wall comes at them. And if they don't make the right shape, they get knocked into a swimming pool on the other side of the wall. Yes. It's like that, but with Tetris. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it is one of the single best like game VR things we've seen. Oh yeah. It's one of those things that could have worked great
1: in, you know, like a virtual boy, but because with head track, you're looking around the Tetris as opposed to the block (laughs) falling vertically. It's falling forward. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, the wall is coming at you and you have to look around your, your block to see what the hole is and then rotate it. So it fits. It's
0: like those scenes in Tron where, where you're moving really, really fast and there's a big giant wall with a little tiny hole really, really far away. And you're the blocks cover your field of view. So you have to you have to totally peek around, and that was a standing um, experience as well. Yeah,
1: um, the kitchen demo was more of a you know a, I mean, horror a, a horror mo- you know, super tried to be as as realistic as possible. Uh, I think it was more of a demo of you know positional sound and also the um, using the uh, the DualShock as a way to. Simulate abstract the idea of your hands being tied together. Um, oh, they've so done you, that a lot. actually. Yeah. So if you hold, you're holding the DualShock controller. Oh, but In right. the game, it showed your hands being bound together, like you were trapped. Oh, that's interesting. So you were captive. That was that was a cool implementation of it. But like we said, the inverse kinematics didn't work, and the the um, the elbowing stuff was no good. Like, uh,
0: the the thing the thing that was notable to me about that is that they were trying for photorealism or something close to it, and I think that the Morpheus and the PS4 probably should, are not as capable yes. of that. At least in a broad sense, as as say a you know a thousand dollar gaming PC,
1: and also it really seemed like that while Sony is letting developers like do what they want, experiment with things, there weren't real guidelines. For example, about text because text was really difficult to read. And in was that there demo, text in that in the in kitchen? the demo in the credits? Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't Whereas across the Oculus demos that we've seen, which talk about, there was really some good consistency about readability for text, like bolder text, Bold. more spaced out, larger. Um, um, and I don't know if that's something that Sony will, will need to t- let its developers know, or but because these are early demos and prototypes, that
0: that's not something that's been built in yet. I thought Oculus had changed something also about the way they're rendering text now. They're re- rendering it in an overlay in front of the I that's I don't think that's implemented. It okay. wasn't implemented and that what we saw. saw. Okay.
1: It was just nicely anti-aliased uh, super sampled big, big fonts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like vector text.
0: They showed a game where four players were playing an asymmetric game experience where four players were playing on a couch with dual shocks and they were playing against a person in VR. This was analogous to they also had keep talking and nobody explodes on the on the show floor. Um, these were both analogous to. Um, uh, Do you mean uh, a
2: synchronous game
0: where they're all a- asymmetrical? Asymmetrical. Asymmetrical, oh, asymmetrical gotcha. means you know. Uh, I thought s- you said asynchronous. Like all Wii U. Yeah. Yep. People so, have a different experience
1: depending yeah. on which seat they're in. At the Sony keynote, Morpheus was only briefly mentioned, and but the things they did mention was their experiment with social. Uh, this is where Morpheus could have you know. Uh, I wouldn't say a leg up, but differentiate itself from uh, desktop VR experiences where you can actually do with a couch VR experience, you can have five people playing at the same time. And so from a technology standpoint, the thing they did is demonstrate that they can have one PlayStation 4 with whatever graphics capability it has without any external graphics hardware, render enough to get, you know, 120 FPS, um, on the Morpheus, but also
0: show something on the TV. Does it run 120? Morpheus, it, I believe, runs it runs 60 or double frame rates. To no 120. Kidding. It depends oh. on what depends on what the game is, right? Um, right. I the game that we're talking about was a flat shaded, relatively simple game, uh, and it it it, yeah. it, it looked Morpheus is 120 nice. LCD 120 1080p. Um, but remember they have the frame doubling thing for yeah, which is an option. Yes, which is an yeah. option for the developer. The um this this. Like this was a really nice looking demo it used a lot of the assets that we saw at GDC in their demos at GDC um, and basically I was playing a giant monster smashing stuff with my head while Norm and whoever else was playing on the couch were trying to run away from me and or kill me when they got to the end. Oh, oh correction Morpheus is OLED not LCD Oh. I believe the
1: first ones were LCD. Oh, it's mm-hmm. square pixels on the ones we saw though. Yeah. It didn't look like uh, I keep, I get confused every time because it did not look like the traditional OLED screen. Yeah, it, didn't, it
0: definitely wasn't. So maybe it's yeah. something with the optics. It yeah, had a so, shimmer that made me think LCD. Sony also is one of the only people making large OLED TVs in any kind of quantity. So maybe they, they could be doing something different than what we're accustomed to on phones. Um, the, okay, the next three things we should go over really quickly. Uh, the one that was most interesting, I think, was the Impulse Gear demo. This is the thing. Wire did a big story about it earlier this week. It's basically a first-person shooter demo. They cooked up a custom controller using those old... You remember the plastic gun things that you snapped in a Move controller and the Nav yeah. controller into last generation? So you had... This was the second and better of the virtual guns being replaced by a real prop gun. Um, it had move control in the front, so they were tracking 3d position they had IMUs, so you were tracking movement. And it was a very convincing, Hey, here's a, here's a machine gun that I'm carrying in a science fiction environment. Yeah. Um, they were using a laser sight. To like with with the actual beam that you could see, not just a dot. So you would see if you ever played the old 3D shutter games that NVIDIA uh, the, that NVIDIA enabled ages ago. Um, the way you always had to aim those was with a, was with a video card driver enabled laser beam that came out and just where it intersects is where the where the bullets went and this is the same thing worked really well um you could kind of aim down the sights with this but that was only effective at certain ranges cuz it seemed like there wasn't um you know like when you look through a normal gun there's a sight in the back and there's a there's a sight in the front and you line the three up and that's when that's that's how you kill stuff um with this they only had a circle and like so you could you could get the perspective off there wasn't a front a front crosshair equivalent um, but it was really fun uh you controlled movement not by walking but by using the thumbstick one of the thumbsticks yeah um and you were moving much faster than I have in a first person shooter since like t f two without motion like sickness um
1: i 'm surprised that anybody did that kind of demo yeah i, I think they were surprised that they did it too the, and that was a, one of the takeaways they 're letting developers really experiment you know mm-hmm. they had uh one the, you know the second last game we 'll talk about uh You were in Morpheus while riding a bicycle, and you're, you know, in in the game, you're on a horse basically, a simulated riding horse. And it's like how you can basically merge VR with uh, exercise. Yeah. Uh, and I was pedaling fast and it was immersive.
0: Oh, you were on a bike. I was on he a He was on an exercise on bike. bike. Like a full-size bike hooked up to an exercise rig. Yeah. It was really funny. And the f- were the pedals hooked up to the game? So Pedals yeah. were hooked up fast fast, to fast. the game. I think the wheel man. was hooked up to the game, but the
2: same
1: difference. Right. Um, and I could turn. Huh. I could turn. Really? Uh, but it was one of those things, as I got further immersed yeah. uh, and pedaled harder, I felt like I could have accidentally flipped the bike over. Like, turned it over outside. Because huh. um, you get you, you don't get the same sense of momentum in the game as you do in the real world on a stationary bike.
0: That's a, they'll need to work on that. But, but you want a recumbent bike for that, I think. Something yeah, right center of gravity is lower. Yeah.
1: Or you know, elliptical for example, like yeah. a, as a, a walking example. That,
0: I think elliptical would be really hard. I think it's I think it would be too easy to fall off of an elliptical if you couldn't see what you're doing. Yeah, try right.
1: Tr- try uh, Try going on a treadmill and doing anything, but not focusing on the treadmill. Right? You can't wear VR and walk on a treadmill and yeah. not expect to follow
0: Well, yeah. If you if you if you, the VR drifts a little bit, you'll just walk off the edge and eat shit. I'm getting dizzy just thinking about exactly. it. Exactly.
1: Um, the uh, the asymmetrical mm-hmm. game was really really fun. Hmm. Um, Will wore the headset and See, was a a monster as a as a dragon, and chasing four characters in his perspective, four tiny people. Uh, running away from him. So that's on interesting this, on this path. I didn't think that that was a very fun demo. Well, maybe not. So, so it limited what you could do in VR cause you were using your head to bash buildings right. and stuff. Um, from, for, but from the other four players perspective, we were looking at a normal TV and we were running away from him and seeing the dragon. The dragon itself was cute wearing a Morpheus headset and he was knocking buildings over. Um, and we were running away. And then it flipped around to where, at the end of the game, uh, the four players threw things at the monster. Like that that part was fun. This part was Will fun. And Will saw, from the reverse perspective, things being thrown at him. And he was dodging them.
0: This sounds like a really fun party game. This exactly. Was, this is a, something. Again, this would be a fun thing you could play. Like if you, I mean, we both have kids that are too young for VR, right? Yeah. This is something that everybody can play and have fun with. Hopefully, right. And, and this is part of playroom VR. I don't know if they're actually going to call it that. They, no, 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 no. There was
1: a name for it. Uh, there was like some, some B- playroom. monster, monster bash oh. or something as, as, its official name. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the takeaway from that is, you know, the, again, PlayStation has this advantage that most people have their PlayStation 4s in their living room yeah, you know, right. front the couches. And they know that, you know, with the power processing power of PlayStation, only one person is going to be able to wear Morpheus at a time. Uh, this could be foreshadowing what their killer app is for Project Morpheus, which is the party game.
0: It's really telling that they had Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes sitting in a really prominent space at the front of the booth where they were giving demos to the general public, right?
1: And mentions, you know, Shu mentioned it specifically in his Engadget interview as one of the best experiences. Um, Hmm. So that's not something, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, social and we'll get to, again, we'll get to this real soon. Social being a real important thing for VR. Yeah. The social doesn't just have to be between two people wearing headsets. Virtually, Virtual yeah. social. It could be the social experience of someone in VR and other I, people seeing it from a, in the same room or not the same room, but a non-VR that's traditional what Morpheus, flat screen experience. That's what Morpheus has going for it. Exactly.
0: I think the big takeaways. the other thing that Morpheus has going for it is much easier to get on and off. Um, and, and to adjust for other people. So, whereas nice. the Oculus, which we'll talk about in a little bit is something that seems like you're going to set for yourself and then adjust infrequently. If you have somebody else coming over that's going to try it, the Morpheus, the, the new ergonomics for it are really good. You just stretch it out over your head. It snaps into place. You twist a little dial on the back to cinch it down. And then there's a button on one of your thumbs. I think it's the right thumb that slides the visor in and out. So you can pull it as right. close or as far yeah. away as you so want. Last and it year- works with glasses. Last year, it was hovering a little bit in front of my face. Yeah. You yeah. can now get it a little closer. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah. can... Basically, the, the process for putting it on is you put it over... The, the, the halo goes around your head. And this was also interesting. We, we this, described this. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, this was the only place that they let you put your your headset on yourself. I think we put the Oculus headset on at the end. Hmm. But for the most part, people put the headsets on you at, at all the demos. Yeah. Still. The uh, FOV is comparable to the other... It's models. still like looking through a dive mask, yeah. but yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. The, the thing that the other thing that's notable is that they did specifically say there's no secret like we've always heard rumors with Morpheus that there was going to be an extra box that provided graphics processing no power I and never they absolutely said no <laughs> it is all rendered on the PS4 yeah. and they just, the, the box that we saw was just a splitter
1: so you could see what the person and that again uh, the thing that they've done that actually Oculus has not done is able to render mirror uh, unskewed undistorted mirror uh, image on the TV. So asymmetrical gaming works because the PlayStation can render two things at once right. on a, bi- on the flat screen and what the person's seeing. But the other mode, which is the mirroring mode, which they did, they've had, you know, since GDC is show people on the couch, what the person wearing the glasses is seeing without, it being two yeah, circles. It's right. being flat, uh, looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was why we could actually put cameras in front of it and and see, yeah. and, and see good stuff. Pricing? Availability? Nope. It's well, Q1. Q1. Q1 or, oh, it's or, Q1. Or, yeah. No, no, no. They it's the first Q1. half. They said early next year.
0: Oh. <laughs> no, I don't want to put early next the- year. seems like Q1 to me, but okay, you're, you're right. We should not put words I'm, into Sony's yeah, map
1: or pricing or anything. Uh, the London high stuff was also super fun, but again, watch our video
0: yeah, for all that. There's a lot more on all of this stuff there. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. So here's the, the actual sequence of events is that we went to Starbreeze and then we went to Oculus and we went to Morpheus had, I wish we had done it the other way around. Cause if we had seen going to Morpheus after seeing Oculus, a little bit of a disappointment. Oh, really? Because they both have motion controllers. Yeah. That's interesting. So, CV1, we talked about the hardware last week a ton. I don't think we need to go into like the cloth or any of that stuff, other than to say in reality, it is much lighter on your head than I expected. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, works over glasses.
1: If you're not wearing glasses, you put it on like a baseball cap from the back over. Mm-hmm. If you are
0: wearing glasses like me, I put it from the front over and mm-hmm. then pulled it back over and the back of your it head back. It looked like it was kind of ill fitting on you. I don't think you had a good fit on the CV one demo. Was, when f- you were worked
1: great. Felt good. Felt really
0: good. Cool. Um, didn't fog up. Uh, and the big takeaway
1: from the, um, from the CV one wear experience versus Crescent Bay is that that sweet
0: spot is across the entire lens. It's really, really big compared to anything we've seen. It's Except, uh, actually, Morpheus has a really big sweet spot too. Cause I don't think they're using Fresnel lenses. But the 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 sweet spot on the CV1 stuff was outstanding. That's great. Like I didn't at no point. It wasn't even. It wasn't even like you adjusted it and got it right. It was mm-hmm. like when I put it on the first time, it was in the right spot.
1: And people ask, you know, why did not you talk about screen door effect and stuff like that? I don't think that matters as much because we know what the resolution is. You know, we know it's OLED screens. The the diffusion using the Fresnel lenses look almost exactly the same as the um, the Crescent Bay prototype where it's more like the linen effect and it kind of moves around as you tilt your head uh, but the clarity of the image um, is across the entire field of the view the Christmas you mean the Christmas of the image yeah. is across there's no distortion or blurring on the sides
0: um, there's, there's a, no there's no blur as you move like everything is just it's, it's it, I got walked out of there and told Norm it was the crispest like flat screen I've ever seen, and I don't know because we didn't try Vive at E three. I don't recall
1: Vive being like noticeably worse, but I, well, I can't do a comparison. I, I think you have we to have side. to see them back to back in order to to say. I remember Vive being much better
2: than um, Crescent Bay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like they've improved the optics. Yes. So
0: so the thing the thing I would say is that if you're worried about screen door, it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like mpeg-2 or mpeg-4 h264 compression artifacts in video right like when when people started using mpeg-2 compression on DVDs and stuff like that you you would occasionally notice those blocky bits in the dark patches or in in red gradients and stuff like that your brain filters that stuff out almost immediately and while I was able to look and see screen door when I was wearing my contacts inside the Cv1 I, I a it's hexagonal so they don't stand out as much you know they're, they're not they're round not square Um B I within a moment of putting the glasses on as soon as I stopped looking around at like what my field of view was what the dive mask looked like what the screen door looked like I immediately forgot the screen door as soon as I started playing anything hmm. um, it just it just disappears into the background.
1: Um, FOV, also a big question that people
0: had. Now, they didn't, They still won't confirm what the
1: FOV is, except that it's larger than 100 degrees. Um, but they made, Nate made a really good point that FOV is not a really good metric because uh, it changes depending on how far you put the optics to your eyes. So, so you had a narrower
0: FOV than I would have because you were wearing your glasses exactly. and I was resting right on my eyeballs.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you want that best experience because the lenses have such a good su- a sweet spot area, you know, put on contacts if you can. Pr- that's probably the preferred way uh, to wear these glasses. Yeah. Um, the game demos we saw, uh, it was m- great that they actually had playable versions of the the clips that we saw at the press event. You know, the Chronos game, Edge of Nowhere, mm. uh, even the hockey game that we played. I played the hockey game. We Holy shit. shoot! any of that the stuff.
0: Um, see, I thought that was going to be a motion control game, but it, you said it was a... I wish it was a motion control game, game. I've never wanted anything to be a motion control game yeah. more. <laughs> um, I, the thing that I was interested, the reason I played the hockey game, they basically we sat down, we had time to each play two or three demos. Um, and I wanted to make sure I, I did the hockey game because it's the first time we've really seen anything that happens in the real world in VR or a representation of that. And I wanted to see what that experience was. And I immediately understood... Like putting those goggles on and sitting in the goalies in the goalies' skates, I immediately understood more about how hockey works hmm. than I have in playing years of NHL, EA's NHL games and watching a lot of hockey on TV. Right, like the fact that that hockey players use the other players on the field as a screen so that the goalie loses the puck and how quickly that happens was immediately apparent. And it is it is such a, such a like I am too old and slow to be an NHL goalie, but it was super cool, and that is the kind of experience I cannot wait to get more of.
1: Yeah, Chronos uh, and Edge to Nowhere, both third-person games. We talked about this in the video how uh, developers still tr- figure out how to use the camera uh, for a third-person game. Chronos yeah. is that God view, fixed camera. You move your head around to look. Basically, it's, using VR as a, as a as a way to look at a bigger. Uh, palette.
0: It's almost They're like a security canvas. camera, right? Or something like um, a shadow of the Colossus where the camera is fixed when you enter mm-hmm. a room alone in the dark, alone in the dark yeah. is a good, another good example. Um, yeah. And they need to f-
1: tweak where the, the camera location is for each of the rooms. Um, Liz, the, the, the dissolve the switch between cameras can be jarring. Where if you're walking away from the camera and then jump
0: suddenly to the player walking toward you, uh, it's almost like they need an interstitial or something in that, like showing you going through the doors, swooping through the doors, or well, even like within that. the same room, yeah, they, they would switch.
1: Uh, and then, Edge to Nowhere um, had the camera following the player, but not
0: doing too much on its own. It was if the camera was on a rail kind of tracking the player as he went.
1: But it wouldn't, it would be from the, the, the way the camera moved to orient, like, you know, at some place it would be at a 45 degree angle above the player. At some place it would be level with the player. Mm-hmm. That transition happened between environment scenes. So if you're uh, running across a bridge in an outdoor environment, you're going to be hovering above the player. But once you get in, inside the cave, then the camera dips lower mm-hmm. and then you only see that one transition yeah. once. And it's not just, like flying around all over the place.
0: I uh, thought that that demo was pretty amazing. Yeah, like
1: that, that I really, was really, really, and that felt like a, like a made from. I mean, it was Insomniac, so they've had experience. It felt like it was made from people who had a lot of experience making games.
0: It, well, and it felt more like watching that clip reel that they showed at the press conference. I was expecting kind of a survival horror thing, and it was much more of a Uncharted style kind of platform adventure mm-hmm. type yeah. type type game. Um, what about the uh, dungeon one? The medieval looking.
2: Fantasy game? Is this Chronos? That's Kronos. Yeah, well, yeah. How, how was that? That was the one with the fixed camera, yeah. security camera.
0: Oh, okay. Frame rate on I all know. this. But, okay, so things that were consistent across That's all of these. Because in the video, it wasn't uh,
2: that at all, right? I thought it was more of a tracking the player kind it, of camera it, d- it does
0: track the player, but, in, but the camera position's fixed. So the, the camera position, you move your head to move the camera. Yeah, right, gotcha. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Um, but it, like I think that actually works. The transitions Norm was right were kind of herky jerky. Right. Um, the frame rate on all of this stuff was really really smooth. Uh, the the we were also in a massively cooled room,
1: and this has been the case for all of our uh, the, you know the three Oculus demos we've done this year uh, because they're basically running the latest graphics hardware. And uh, I assume Titan is right? They're all running. They've yeah. running Titan since GDC and.
0: They needed those rooms cool. Yeah, the um, but the the like it's impossible to the difference between this and the other VR stuff we saw yesterday in terms of the persistence of vision stuff is amazing. Like it is a night and day difference when you put those glasses on versus the the stuff that Sony is doing and definitely the stuff that Starbreeze was doing. Low persistence. Low persistence. Yeah, I mean it's it is it you, you can move your head as fast as you can and there's no blur, mm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um again I, th- I want to see Vive and this back to back and then I want to go back and forth from rooms with Vive and this for a few minutes and see, see and experiment with different stuff anyway uh, um, then Oculus we did the Home? touch control oh Oh yeah, the o- Oculus yeah, Home.
1: home. Now they didn't have the actual Oculus Home. They had a version of it um, that we couldn't film for, for to launch these E3 demos, but they did confirm you know, Oculus Home would also be coming to mobile. So you
2: couldn't
0: see the environmental we could, previews. No, they, no, they it, didn't it, weren't going to show that. It was basically a wall of like moving screens with this logos dashboard. on them that yeah, yeah it looked like an Xbox dashboard that kind of wrapped around, yeah.
1: Floating dashboard in a, in a rendered environment. But they he said, you know, they could do interesting things with the environment. They didn't really wa- They didn't want it to be, like, the Valve and the Valve one could not. It doesn't have to be final. The one we saw with Vive was you walking around and kind of tapping a console, Mm -hmm. um, activating um, a physical, uh, physically represented console in that world. Here's just a floating screen. Um, It's just you know different
0: paradigms. Um, So let's talk about Oculus Touch. Sure. Uh, This we went into yet another demo room after seeing these game demos and talking to Nate. Um, and Norm strapped into the VR. Uh, well, first off, this room had like egg crate sound dampening stuff on the walls, a couple of the positional cameras. For two positional cameras. Two. Yeah. Um, uh, facing the place where you were standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you put on, it was Crescent Bay. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the touch, the half moon prototype controllers. Yeah. Working ones. Were the cameras 180 degrees of oh, No, oh, they, no. Were, they were like right shoulder, left shoulder. Okay. Up high yeah uh looking down so Norm put the glasses on, and then I don't know what happened. I was talking to Nate, so so when you put the glasses on, what did you see? So uh, they someone handed the
1: um, the two touch controllers to me, and they didn't do what Valve did, where which they had the controller, they didn't have the controllers rendered on screen uh, initially, and they kind of put the wrist strap over my wrist first, and I actually had to peer through the bottom of the Crescent Betas to mm-hmm. get the controllers in my hand. But once they, they were
0: a little awkward to grab, yeah, yeah, um,
1: and. But that's not to say they couldn't represent those controllers.
2: What were you looking at in VR when they were handing them to you? They show up as hands. Hands, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. OK, So I gotcha.
1: When you uh, instead of sh- so this is a, a big difference uh, yeah, between I mean, have Vive, uh, how they represent the Vive controllers, where when they hand you even with the stem, the six-axis stem system, your what you see in the virtual world is a representation of the controller, in yeah. perfect one-to-one here, they didn't show the controller at all, it was a representation of floating hands. Um, and this is where inverse kinematics can play, not with the elbows, but with the joints of your fingers. Um, now, in this toy box demo specifically, they wanted to show multiplayer interaction with uh, gestures and interaction with objects. Um, the r- abstraction of your hand uh, was binary, uh, the finger movements. So your thumbs could go thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, your index finger could point out or point in. Or you can do a grab motion, a grab, a fist close or fist open mm-hmm. with the... the um, the grabbing trigger.
2: So there's almost an inherent delay that I imagine involved with that because you have to pass the threshold. Like when you're putting your finger forward, it doesn't move until it crosses the
1: threshold. Yes, and when you speaking of thresholds, um, uh, speaking of yeah. thresholds, the thing that made it real clear was that that didn't matter for this. It was convincing enough. Hmm. Just like there was, you know, there's a threshold with the vibe controller with the uh, the thumb on the trackpad, uh, the, t- the the uh, uh, valve steam controller pad, the touchpad, yeah, the touchpad, um, the um, what do we call it? We called it uh, the uh, 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 Uncanny Valley for presence um,
0: w- was passed for this cool. controller. Yeah. So, so as soon as you, in, in in terms of what it was showing, as soon as you took your fingers off the capacitive sensors on the on the thumbstick or mm-hmm. the or the index finger pa- uh, button, basically, you, you, regardless of what your finger was doing, it was either fully extended or curled back. Fully extended or curled back. That was fine. Yeah, immediately abstracted that out, and my brain took care of yeah. took care of any kind of disconnect between where my fingers were and where I was. I'd be interesting to go back and watch the video and see if I was making pointy fingers when I when I had my fingers off, or if I was just neutral and away from the buttons.
1: Yeah, and also, um, I mean, your awareness of your body, you know, is if your mind is thinking pointy, even if you're if you're not looking at your real hands, your mind is just thinking rele- you're associating, releasing the trigger with pointing. Mm-hmm. That mapping is. H- helps, hmm.
0: And um, the, the other thing to note is that like the grabby, the grabby, the, the index, the middle finger button, they're basically using that for grab and to turn on collision for the hands. So in the toy box thing, which we were looking at, basically as soon as collision was on, you could push stuff. So if you had a box on the table in front of you and your finger was extended, you could push the box. If you f- If you didn't have the grabby thing, your palm, I think, would be open or was it just ghosted out? No, it was open. Yeah, then then it was open and you wouldn't move through things. Yeah, uh,
1: That's not to say, because Palmer did say that it didn't have to be binary. Yeah. That we thought that, you know, the, the, it, there are many ways you could detect whether if the finger's on, you know, in the right place. It could be, you know, the IR being obstructed. It could be capacitance. It, um, we don't know if there's a proximity sensor in there. In this demo, in this software, it's binary, that abstraction, but there could be degrees of detection of where your thumb is and where your index finger is. But they're looking for specific gestures at this point? Yeah, it is specific to pointing, thumbs and grab. No middle finger, no middle finger. Pew pew laser gun. Yeah. Point. Thumbs up. Got it. Yep. And grab, open, close. Yeah. Uh, now, the grabbing, uh, as we talked about in the video, uh, you, had grabbing, uh, you had to learn that grabbing, as in the real world, where you grab with all your fingers, grabbing in here is, is a f- yeah. middle finger so action. You,
2: you said it took you a minute or two to yeah. get used to that.
1: But once you're used to that, then you realize that, you know, when you grab, in the world, I mean, just try it. Try picking up objects on your desk only using your middle finger. Yeah. Like, I do that all the time. <laughs> only using your, but not your thumb. You're, well, you can't pick stuff up with just exactly. one finger. Exactly. No, I mean, your th- your middle my finger. Thumb is, and <laughs> I'm saying, okay. don't wrap your thumb around. Just use your palm of your hand and your middle finger to grab things. I feel like this was a lot less difficult for me than it was for you. This uh, but I, that is that is the. Rep- I mean, think yeah. about it because you're yeah. the the thumb and the index finger aren't are part of the grabbing motion. Right. So,
2: well, I also don't jump by pressing
1: an A button. Exactly. Yeah. So so I don't it, jump. Let's be honest. It's not <laughs> perfectly. Um, intuitive like 100% intuitive but it is
0: super simple to learn within within two minutes that's what I said a minute I had to stop thinking about it and by the end of the demo I wasn't making the mistake anymore a minute learning curve yeah it was was super fast um the collision wasn't fast
1: enough that we could for example juggle I think both Um, both Will and I tried to juggle
0: and I tossed two objects in the air and I was able to Best catch one. So for me, the problem wasn't the collision. It was the snapping. So when you would grab, the object would snap into place, and that would throw off the position of the of the hands for right. the next toss. Are you saying that this was a fault of the tracking or the software? I think it's probably the software. I think the physics model isn't complex enough right. in the toy box for okay. that to work.
1: Uh, but you could do things like you know pick up a firework. Uh, or a Roman candle and then the because it was multiplayer the floating head and hands of the person across the table from you could light a lighter and you could light it. Where they, were, where was physically the other player? He's in the room next door uh, Oh wow. Yeah so they're actually in separate rooms uh, but you're sharing a virtual space Could you hear him? You yes. Could. You could and there's you know the
0: microphone. Oh, you could, yep. His sound was positional so when he was in front of you he sounded like he was in front of you when he was off to the right he was off to the right and sound you, was there's also Doppler Yeah. Oh wow. And what's the audio quality like? Pretty good Oh, man. Yeah. Like, the microphone... I, I didn't ask. I should have asked. Was he using the same microphone we were? Or was he well, using a different I microphone? I think they're using both Crescent
1: Bays and those demo rooms. Okay, so... And the microphone, I think, in Crescent Bay is different than the microphone in... In the uh, CV. Because they wouldn't say exactly where it was. Well,
0: Nate CV said they're one. still working on... Huh. Like, the microphone placement is probably one of the last things they're going to decide. Behind the, behind the cloth. Because it's going to go behind the cloth and they'll move it until they get the optimal position that they can put in for manufacturing. Got and all it. That. One other thing we talked about a little bit was that like the fabric stuff is literally taking... They're doing all new manufacturing stuff. Nobody's really done that on this scale before. Hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge um, manufacturing challenge, which is a little bit concerning... You know, I, I hope that it's not going to cause demand problems or slowdowns in, in their ability to deliver these next year. The way the fabric wraps around
2: the eyepieces when you change the IPD yeah. looks really futuristic. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: and it's a different fabric for the inside. It's stretchy it on, the outside. on the inside. Oh, yeah. Not on more the outside. stretchy than the inside. Mm-hmm. And those faceplates, they wouldn't demonstrate how you could take them off. But they said, like, that's what, where you had the most
0: contact with your... No, well, he Nate, said, Nate said you can't take those the, you can take the, the, the mesh off.
1: The interior faceplates, the whole faceplate, you can change. I didn't think you could do that. Palmer said you can change, and Nate did say you can change faceplates. Yeah. He oh. didn't want to take them off on spot because of that engineering example. Nate um, said
0: you can't change the gasket that goes yes. around your face so what you That's the one I'm concerned about.
1: Is the gasket? Which is weird because in uh, Gear VR, they, it comes with multiple
0: gaskets. Yeah, and Valve is going to ship multiple, or at least the prototypes they had had multiple gaskets as well. Um, okay, so you can pick things up, you can hand them to each other. You can grab things from somebody. We could play catch. Like, it was fast enough that that Chris was, could throw things to me. I could grab them out of the air. Um, they had physics on, like, Frisbee-like stuff. So you could fling the Frisbee thing and it'd circle around. You could grab it. Yes. Um, this was not the demo where they had the eyes moving, though.
1: The abstracted eye movement mm-hmm. for conversation. I
0: think that's probably good. That would have been really creepy. Did they show that demo? They didn't show that. Okay, because that was just Carmack playing around, yeah. right? They yeah. did have... Um, so they it did the head was tracked and mapped. So when the person across from you nodded or shook his head or tilted it or something like that, you saw all that. They also when the when there was voice coming through, there was kind of a little squiggly animation on the jaw area uh-huh. that indicated presumably if you have more than two people in the room, hey, there's there's this person, this is the person, and that's and this is
1: talking. like a wireframe head and wireframe hands.
0: Oh, so no eyes, no no no. no eyes. eyes. It okay. was, it was it like a mannequin, frame, cool mannequin, um, and and you're just seeing hands. So you, there's no wrist, there's no forearms, it's all it's all just hands. Yeah. Um, we picked it, You could pick up guns. You could aim down the sights of the guns of the virtual guns using the triggers it and pew pew. Really well. Um, I totally did a. I'm going to invoke Django Fett, but I totally did the Django Fett, two, two blasters lined up shooting as fast as I can <laughs> um, at targets that were flying through the air and was able to hit moving targets.
1: Uh, Doppler was really cool. Um, I mean, this toy box world, they could load different physics simulations. So you can be out of outer space, more real world like gravity. Um, and hmm. but one person could be huge, one person could be that's tiny. What I'm so the Doppler stuff. That's uh, not Doppler though. Well, they, the sound is Doppler. Really? For 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 the scale, of I thought Doppler was just about movement. Anyway, anyway, they, they shrunk. You, you could shrink, or they could shrink. Uh, you could shoot a shrink ray at someone, and the voice would then distort, and also the IPDs would change. That's so cool. So I mean, that's a, I was. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, You're it, in that shared same rendered world. I'm now the size of the toy, mm-hmm. and the person, their rendered hands and head is bigger. They sound like different, a giant. and their movements are accentuated. Um, and your movements are... How so? Because when they move, like, if they move one foot in the real world, yeah. to
0: it's, you, they're moving, you know... Huh. Like 40 feet. 40 feet. It's like if they're a giant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, huh. They had a bunch of RC stuff, so you could pick up RC... They had uh, representations of the of the controllers that you had in your hand that you could pick up and then use to control RC tanks. Um, so you, right. were, you were using... Wait, so they did have modeled versions of they the They had modeled versions of the controllers that you could pick yes, up. they did. But
1: it wasn't exactly the same. It was not.
0: It didn't have the half moon. It was just the thumbsticks and buttons and trigger. So
1: they they had it, and it it was weird because it was a virtual you know we nunchuck basically on it on the table, and you're already holding one in the real world, but you kind of put your hand over it and grab it and it snaps into place. Hmm. And once it snapped, then it felt more one to one. Yeah. Um. But that gave you the idea of how you would have a trigger and thumbstick. Um, to control traditional games or yeah. to use like a laser pointer to, to map stuff around. Well, yeah. t- tell me about how one to one that
2: was because that, that was the big question I had when you guys were going into this. Is it, you it's know, it's one to one. It is one to one. It is one to one. the
0: one-to-one. most one to one. It's, 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 it is as one to one as I remember the Vive being. Now that that's like that's now the difference, take a grain again, of salt with that because it's three months yeah. three months ago and memory of stuff like that is notoriously hazy. And so they,
1: abstract, they were representing different things. Yeah, one's representing mostly controller on the Vive side, and one's abstracting and representing a hand on the Oculus side. So. It, it's one to one, yeah, but, but when
2: you are holding those controllers, that's what intrigued me because you had a
1: yeah when, when you're holding like a, you know a, the control- the problem was that that controller wasn't perfectly represented like polygonally um it was still it looked you know had it looked smaller
0: in my mind. this is very encouraging, it sounds like at worst they're minor differences, well, so it's unclear if they're going to ship the toy box stuff like that that seems like it's just a prototype that they built in in house to work on to like to give them a place to test out these prototypes, yeah. Um, but it's,
1: it's like they specifically mentioned that matrix, you know, they want, I, I think, and based on this demo as a testing demo, as a, a testing software and what John Carmack has talked about for the social stuff, they want that matrix, uh, white room to be a place where people can interact and noodle around and exactly. Yeah. And there's no reason I think that you can have more than two people interacting and it couldn't, it, they, I mean, if
0: Facebook wanted to build the VR MMO, this is a great place to start. The thing, the thing that I, first off, when this demo was over, I was super sad. Like I was ready to keep going. Um, the, the, the different gravities, all that stuff was really, really compelling. Um, like it was, it was different gravities. Yeah, like there was a space level where there was low, oh, high, low and high inertia, low low microgravity. Basically, were you moving around ever? No, um, no not that, in this like one. Through space, okay. basically, I was.
1: I, was you, I mean, you could walk around that room, yeah. and it was more than the you know, four foot by four foot crescent bay because they had two cameras, and mm-hmm. they said even one of those cameras could map the whole room. Yeah, with uh, how wide it was, uh, but the demo never encouraged you to like walk up to the wall. The, Although Palmer said you could, and you could just walk up to a wall and like you know. And, and they didn't pop in. I don't think
0: the cords were long enough for us to walk up to the wall he was pointing at. But the, the, the thing I noticed was like they didn't have the things designed to invoke the sense of presence that Valve did in their Vive demos at GC. Like, they didn't have the whale that bring, brought the fluke up and tried to hit you in the head so you'd duck and stuff like that. Uh, however, when I dropped something off of the table that was in the toy box and I bent over to pick it up, like, cause I dropped it, it hit the floor. The floor was where the floor was in the real world. I bent over to pick it up. I stepped back so I wouldn't whack my head on the table when I bent over. The thing that invoked like, without most, even thinking about the, it,
1: the thing in the valve demo, in which I know you didn't try uh, the specific demo that invoked the biggest sense of presence was the art demo using the, uh, the vibe mm-hmm. controller as a paintbrush painting in a 3d space mm. and then walking around your object. And the reason that was so good is cause the, the that's, it takes into account space. The spatial room that you're walking in is mapped to a space that you are interacting with by creating a, a sculpture, basically, uh, paint sculpture. Um, and the vibe, uh, this toy box demo, didn't map their, you know, their mm-hmm. table space to the room space you were in.
0: Uh, it was mostly the controller mapping.
2: And none of the uh, touch demos
0: actually allowed you to thumbstick move a character through the space either. You didn't move a character right. through the space. The thumbsticks was all well you didn't move your character one of the thumbstick demos let you drive a little tank around the space which was really right. really good cool but in terms of motion sickness they were they played it safe they played it safe it was this i mean it was very similar to HTC in that to the to the steam vr stuff in that sense in that right. there was no tr- there, there was no translation of movement that you didn't invoke yourself by walking um I I came like I I would love to be in a situation where I can walk from the Vive stuff into this and then back and I, I think that's the only way we're going to know next year yeah hopefully Um, it was it was super good like the, the touch thing I, I having the capacitive sensors on the buttons was a big surprise and was a huge impact on hmm. on the like being able to represent your fingers in different ways is incredibly valuable hmm. in VR and I, I wonder if you know, when we when we saw that announcement for the touch, I thought, oh, OK, the min spec is going to be the valve controller and this is going to be the plus one for Oculus specific stuff. I'm not sure that I think that's still true.
1: And min spec is something they don't want to. They're not going to design for.
0: No. I uh, Yeah. I mean, they, Palmer actively said they're not dev- designing for min spec. They're, they're still pushing things as hard as they can.
1: And it's going to change.
0: And yeah. Are you going to have a hard time playing gamepad games
1: having
2: used touch? Do you think?
0: No, I I mean, the the interesting thing for me is that as a control surface for... Um, potential games like cockpit games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I could totally like where that Steel Battalion game for Kinect was a horrible disaster and didn't work. I could totally see using these controllers as abstractions for my fingers to literally reach out and flip switches and do things. What, th- what was asking is, are you going to have a tough? time going back to game. No, I mean games. no. It's, 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 it's apples and oranges. But what, what I'm saying is, as a as a way to control more complex things, than a gamepad allows in yeah. a VR situation. I'm really excited about this. Um and, and Vive too. Frankly, I think both of those, both of them have have uh, a lot going for them. I feel like I'm gonna have better granular control th- with this than I did with Vive in the in the demos that we saw at GDC. Yeah. Like so Steam needs its own toy box. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, the s- social aspect of this is pretty amazing too. Yeah. I mean, the, you can imagine
1: a game where because it's all on PC, cross platform someone's interacting in Toy Box with in so whatever the virtual space, you know, VR life, uh, with Vive and someone's interacting with uh, in, in it with uh, Oculus and only the Oculus people can point and give thumbs ups.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, well, you, or you do a gesture on the thumb pad with the, with the Vive, right? Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like that's a good place uh, for us to take a quick break and, uh, Play a little music and uh, bring a word. Yeah, bring a word from our uh, from our sponsors. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about the Xbox Elite Controller, which Norm and I saw, um, and then all the news from E3 and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and now a word from our sponsors. You know that great advertisers uh, support the show and keep it free for you. One of the reasons why advertisers love This Is Only a Test is that they know that the show has amazing listeners. Right now, we have a survey that I'd love for you to help us take that I'd love for you to take to help us learn more about our audience. You can go to podsurvey.com slash test. Now you've probably already filled out one of these surveys before we did one last year. Uh, but one of the things that the advertisers like is to keep a constant kind of check. you know, the, the show is constantly growing. We're constantly getting new, new listeners and they want to know what you guys are into so that they can get ads that target you and that you're going to be interested in hearing and not stuff that you don't care about. Um, so if you would go to podsurvey.com slash test, Again, it's podsurvey.com slash test. Uh, even if you've done it before, please, please do it. Uh, help support It definitely helps support the show. And uh, when you're finished, you can enter a monthly drawing to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Awesome. We only take your email address so that we can contact you if you win the gift card. It's not for any kind of marketing information or anything like that. Uh, and... Uh, Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. So thanks for helping us find the very best advertisers so that we can keep this show free for you guys and keep posting it every week. Uh, Now back to the show. What would you buy a hundred bucks on Amazon? Uh, Well, I'd buy uh, the two thirds of an Xbox Elite controller. Oh, boy. Uh, I don't know if I would buy two thirds of an Xbox Elite controller, but we did see the hundred and fifty dollar Xbox One Pro controller. Yeah, it's called the Xbox
1: uh, One Elite uh, controller, Wireless Controller. Wireless controller, yes. and um, it's it is tunable, with swappable buttons, swappable D-pad. Uh, Everything is configurable. Most things are configurable. Yeah. There's a different
0: grip to it. Um, so there are paddles on the bottom. Yeah, what are those for? I made a snarky comment on Twitter when they announced this thing after the press conference. And then I was educated that this is a thing that people buy. Um, There's a company that makes these controllers. They call them scuff controllers. And they're basically hacked Xbox controllers that are uh, designed to let people play competitive shooters and stuff like that without ever having to take their hands off their fingers off the stick. So if you think about it, you're playing Call of Duty or Halo or something, you have to move your finger from the right stick to the X button to reload or the Y button to change weapons or the B button to jump or you know whatever it happens to be. What these what the paddles on the bottom do is let you map buttons to them so that you can hit them with the other three fingers on your hand or other two fingers on your on the bottom of your hand. Hmm. And you can always keep your your right thumb on that right thumbstick, so You never have to stop aiming Um, this. The difference between this and the scuff from what I can tell and we're not experts on the scuff. I've never actually held one is that this seems to be much more configurable. The scuffs seem to be something that you buy the one that you want for the game that you want with the configuration button layout and all that stuff that you want. This, you can remap any of the buttons using an Xbox One or presumably Windows 10 app. So if you want the X button to be... If you want to use the Nintendo layout instead of the Xbox layout, you can. If you want to put... You know, right click of the thumbstick right click on one of the paddles or the a button. You can do that. If you want to map the trigger buttons to the paddles underneath because they're faster throws, you can do that. Um, they have multiple sticks that are magnetic so you can pop them off. Um, didn't seem like there was any way you could knock them off by accident, but they have a tall one that is maybe an inch inch high and gives you a crazy range of movement on each of those sticks. They have a midsize one that has a convex top, a, a rounded uh, humped up top. Uh, and then they have the normal Xbox One style that that we're all familiar with. Hmm. Um, the paddles, you can flip around and have them point up. You can have them point down. You can have one point up, one point down. You can have little ones, big ones. There's all sorts of options there. And then the D-pad is configurable as well. In addition to the standard plus D-pad that, that the Xbox One has, you can pop that off and they have the, they call it the faceted one. Yeah, it looks more geometric. It looks geometric. It looks like the inside of a of a of a square walled dome, basically. Um, let's see, last couple of things: two hundred fifty six profiles for different games on the on the console. You can load two up on the hardware, and there's actual physical switch to switch back and forth between them. Oh. So if like you're playing Battlefield and you have a sniper, you want to have more. If you okay, step back. You can even program like the the dead zone and the accuracy and the speed at different ranges on the sticks. So if you want it to turn really quickly at the edges and very, very slowly in the center, you can do that. Um, if you want to switch back and forth between like a sniping profile and a run and gun profile, you can do that with a physical switch on the on the device. Uh, that'll carry with you if you take it to your friend's house, stuff like that. Right. Um, and then the triggers, there's physical switches on the back that reduce the throw of the triggers, the main triggers, so that they're 50 percent the travel. So that if you just want to use it to shoot people, you can you can do that, and, and it's less. It's super. It's a it's a little bit crazy. If you're into modified gamepads, this sounds like a dream come true. Yeah, it's. I mean, it costs the same price as the Scuf controllers do in the U.S., and it seems like I don't know that we're going to review them. We're going to get them, in. we'll do a, a show and tell or something. Um, but it's it's it seemed neat. For people like when I said, hey, one hundred fifty dollars is a crazy amount of money to pay for a controller. People were like, oh, no, no, this is actually a pretty good deal. It looks like if if, if they can do everything that they're that they're saying, it's the same price as these other third party controllers. So there you go. To be fair, one hundred fifty dollars is a crazy amount. I think so. On the controller. I mean, that was my initial reaction. I think that's still the same. But if you look at it compared to, say, how much did you pay for your X-52? Well, okay. How much would you have paid for your X fifty two? that, it was a long time ago. Hundred bucks, hundred fifty bucks. bucks. Yeah. yeah, it's
2: it's a niche market, and niche, yes. niche items are going to cost
0: more. Yeah, that's kind of the way I looked at it. Um, the thing that I liked is it seems like they're giving you more than you get from the existing competitors for the same price. Yeah. Um, at the Xbox press conference, they announced backwards compatibility is coming to the Xbox One for Xbox three sixty games. That got some big cheers. <laughs> It's limited backwards compatibility. It's, it seems like it's probably software-based because yeah. they're not going to backwards compatible, compatible everything. But they're starting with 15 games that are available for uh, Xbox One Preview program people right know. now. Yeah, 100 games, I think, when they actually launch it. This fall? Mm, yeah, yep. Um, and I assume that they're going down the list and looking at the stuff people are still playing and pulling those games in, and then classics, you know, stuff that's easy to do like nuts and bolts and Uh, Excited about that They announced that Did you see that rare pack I know you're an old Old Uh, rare game fan Yeah I was excited to see RC Pro-Am On there Oh my god so was I But uh, yeah that's a good deal 30 games I mean I would pay I would pay the 30 or 40 bucks or Whatever it was For RC Pro-Am And Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts frankly I never played that Oh that's such a good You make ships
1: You make And you race
0: Yeah you can make boats and planes and cars and all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, the interesting thing that Gary and Mike Micah were talking about on Twitter and I interjected in their conversations, there's a bunch of games that predate rare's involvement on the NES that pretty much were on systems that were only available in the UK. So things like the ZX spectrum games and, and some of their early Commodore 64 games seem to be on there too. So I'm interested in seeing what rare games before the NES looked like. So Hmm. there you go. Um, Xbox One game streaming for Windows 10 users for Windows 10 preview people is out now. You can try that today. Um, I haven't been home long enough to try that since since they turned it on. But that, we'll, that's playing your Xbox on your PC. That is streaming games from your Xbox to your gaming to your PC in okay. another room. Um, I'll try that before next week and let you know how it goes. Uh, and then I think that's it. Uh, on the Microsoft side. Uh, on the Microsoft side. Uh, yeah, t- tons of game of announcements and, and stuff not like that. Going to talk about. Uh, Mike, uh, Sony announced PlayStation View is coming to L.A. and San Francisco now, and they're going to start doing a la carte for channels. So you'll be able to get uh, a view for Showtime. Mm-hmm. And what was the other channel? Machinima. Oh, Machinima. Uh, and uh, Fox Soccer. It's hopefully they're going to expand that to more channels as they come. It seems like this is just the beginning of that process. the The initial the pricing on the view stuff is still the same. That's still like sixty dollars for the base package, I think. So it's not that much cheaper than than cable. Um, but with the PlayStation TV out now and at fifty or sixty dollars in the U.S., like it's it is a viable option for cord cutters if you want to have a kind of basic cable equivalent that's over the top. I think that was all the Sony stuff. They didn't do a whole lot of hardware stuff on stage, and we already talked about the Morpheus bits. Yeah, you know, Kickstarter for Shemu is a, I, is a big tech-related angle. Yes. Um, Fallout Shelter, Bethesda announced this during their press conference. Fallout 4, Doom, Dishonored 2. Oh, my God, Doom looks so good. Really?
1: Oh, yes, well,
2: it's Quake. It really does look good. It's probably the goriest thing I've ever seen. It, it was pretty gory. The, the,
1: return of, the return of the Gibbs. Gibbs.
0: Yeah, Gibbs um i i thought that the i thought the doom stuff looked nice i don't i looked kind of slow i always think of doom as being really fast it reminded me of quake single
1: player like quake one quake two two single player Mm.
2: i think people expect serious sam level uh chaos from doom where really if you go back it probably wasn't much more
0: chaotic than what we're seeing in the new one that's probably true um I was really. I thought the Dishonored two stuff looked really nice. Uh, Dishonored is such an underrated game. It is one of my favorite games of the three sixty generation of the yeah. last generation. It's so um, good, unbelievable. Everybody should play that. It's probably it's Steam summer sales on now, so it's probably like ninety nine cents if you go buy a copy. Um, you will not dis- be disappointed. It's a stealth game and it's a shooter. Yeah, you can do whichever way you want. And now there's two characters you can play as yeah. with different powers. Yeah. Well, did you play any of the DLC for Dishonored one? No, and I understood having watched the C three that I should have. Oh yeah. Because the the they tweaked the powers for the DLC. You play as you play as the main assassin guy yeah. in the DLC, and the powers work a little bit differently. So he's much more mobile than than Corvo is. Uh-huh. Um, like you can you can do the blink thing, and if you as long as you hold down the trigger to blink. You freeze in midair, so you can like jump across big gaps. It's super fun. Wow! Really, you should totally play that.
2: Yeah, they were talking about how they really figured out
0: how to ma- you know make that game when they were doing the DLC. Yeah, so like, it, I will. I will check it out. DLC ups the ante on that game a ton. Uh, the Fallout Shelter is an iPad iPhone game that's out now. If you haven't tried it, it's it's um, coming to Android in a few months. Kind of like Tiny Tower. It's yeah. one of those kinds of games. I've been playing for the last few days. The microtransactions aren't bad at all. Like, you don't have to pay any money at all if you don't want to. Um, and I and everybody always says that. What I mean is you can have a very fulfilling game experience without having to wait for a bunch of bullshit. So, like Tiny Tower in that you're controlling a Fallout shelter? You're the vault overseer. So, you, um, you basically start with a half dozen people who sneak in right before the bombs fall. And then you have to... Build a habitat for them, generate power, water, and food, give them stuff that makes them happy, institute a forced breeding program, you know, all the stuff that you've always wanted to do if you've played Fallout. You get to name all the babies. You get to name all the and really? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they carry the parents' names down. So if you give the like my advice to you is to give the first six people that come into your vault, you can rename them, give them ludicrous names, and those names will trickle down through generations. <laughs> um, I have a hundred and five people in my vault right now. Uh, and and uh, yeah, it's pretty rad. I don't have the patience for those kind of games. You can send people back out into the world to scavenge. Oh, uh, you can you get raided? Raiders come. How do they get? they get into your vault? Yeah, they break down the door. Wow. Then you have to repair the door. It's it's great. It's really good looking. It's an amazing little game. Hell of a way to promote Fallout Four. Um, I want to know the thing. I want to know first off. If you play the game, make sure you force quit the app because sometimes if you don't, it keeps running in the background at like full speed, like you're playing, mm. and all of your people will starve to death. Uh, Idle thumbs taught me that that is uh, the way to solve this problem. Um, the other thing is, I want to know if you put like famous vaults from Fallout in, like you you get to choose the number of your vault when you start. I wonder if you put like Vault One Seventeen, it gives you different starting conditions. Mm. I haven't I haven't started experimenting with that yet. Um, but it's a it's a great little game. Uh, did you guys watch the Nintendo World Championship stuff? No. What happened there? I watched the finals. That's what I, I watched the very last like two three rounds uh, They re, they brought back the Nintendo World Championship. Yes, the thing from from Fred Savage Reg, Reggie did The whole thing skit at it. Yeah, it was quite quit and then came back. Yeah, so what how, how did that end up? Uh, was this the unveiling of Mario maker? They've they've had Mario Maker on the floor at E3 for the last year or maybe two even. Okay, um, they they this was the first time they called it like the first time they showed it it was. There were a lot of questions about how it worked. Like it had different tile sets for the different games and it was unclear how like it seemed like everything had Mario 1 physics even if it had like a Super Mario World tile set. Oh, uh, yes. Um, it seems like they took a lot of the feedback from last year and went and made the game that everybody wanted when they initially said, "Hey, we're going to make a thing that lets you make Mario levels with all the Mario tile sets through history." Now you can you can make you can make Super Mario World levels, you can make Mario One levels. I don't think the Mario Two stuff was in there. They no, Didn't it's show not, it because that's not a Mario game. Uh, you know the semantics. <laughs> um, they have uh, a new Super Mario Brothers stuff in there. If you're into that, yeah. I don't. I still didn't see anything mixing that stuff together. There was definitely some stuff where they were changing, like tweaking sprite sizes and making stuff that never would have run in the NES or even the SNES. There's a lot of stuff that you could never do. Like yeah. You could put trampolines on top of trampolines and they bounce on one another. Yeah, you could do sideways trampolines. Basically, for the, Nintendo, the final two-player competition, when they narrowed down all the field to the last two people, they had Super Mario Maker as the competition, and the people who made the levels are just dicks. It was basically like those nightmare levels from hacked ROMs of Super Mario right. and, and all that stuff where like you have to make the jump exactly perfectly if you go too high then you'll hit a block that'll bounce you down to your death and just and all that kind of stuff death and chaos everywhere the crowd was ooing and eyeing it was it was pretty rad like they 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 made the final final level i think they had three rounds in that final the final one looked almost started almost like a super meat boy level yeah um i want to play it i want to play it too i want to i tried to sneak over there and we just didn't have time uh but it looks awesome And maybe it's the last gasp of the Wii U. Um, Maybe. I mean, they announced a Star Fox game, but presumably... They they say Zelda's still coming, too. Zelda's still coming. Next year, they're going to announce... They they said they weren't going to talk about NX this year, which is the next-gen Nintendo platform that they hinted at, I guess it... On a conference call. Yeah, on a Nintendo Direct or something. Um, But presumably, next year will be the NX year, so... So they'll be the first to the next generation of consoles, you think, think? But. They've always kind of been havesies, behind whenever they want. Yeah,
2: And they really sort of one point five versions of consoles too sometimes.
0: Yeah, but but like uh, at least the handheld stuff. The the Wii was a souped up GameCube, right? Yeah. The Wii U was a souped up HD Wii. Um, the like Wii the, U, yeah, yeah. The Wii U. They're they're not they're not going gangbusters on you know new hardware, which is okay. I mean, their art style works with, with with less capable stuff. No, the Wii U ship, I think the GamePad was the big innovation with the Wii U. But then nobody you know. used it. And, I mean, it seems well, like this is... Which is the question. Look, look,
2: look at yeah. Mario Maker. I mean, yeah. I think it's an awesome use like, of that GamePad. And it's the only console that could do that because it basically puts a computer in your hands in the living
0: room. are people doing the asymmetrical stuff no that's the hardly point. ever like Splatoon is the first thing in ages most of the games I played in the Wii U in the last year you can just play on the gamepad now, is because it because it one the screen. reception is bad to it or because developers just aren't coming up with interesting things I mean if you look at how the DS has evolved like the, down, the bottom screen on the 3DS has become the inventory and map screen so it's not it's not integral to the experience. For example, in Splatoon, you, you, the action happens on the big screen, and then you look down to get the map and the current state of the world, and maybe a mini game or something between rounds. Um, it's it's not. It's, it seems like to me that it adds a lot of cost to the machine, and people aren't really taking advantage of it. So. All right. um, I, I don't know. I thought I thought that the Mario Maker stuff looks pretty amazing. Me too. I'll you, be did you watch the videos of them actually designing levels?
2: No. Cuz you you can drag any like bad guy and hold him over top of a brick and he enters that brick so that if, when the player then hits it, he pops out of oh it. Man. So you can hide things That's in there. Cool. You can grab any of the baddies and shake them and they become enraged. They become like a leveled up version of that bad. Sometimes bigger, sometimes like on fire moving around
0: you can hide you know luigi inside bricks and all kinds of stuff the interesting thing to me is going to be to see like what how the community sharing stuff works on that because like that game to me is much more interesting yeah if i can go play your level and people are actually going to spend the time to make good levels than if i because i'll noodle around with the make with the with the level maker for a few hours and then probably never touch it again yeah
2: yeah I hope that there's a nice way to sort by, you know, highly rated levels and things yeah. like that. I do know that in order to submit your level to the archive, you have to beat it. Oh, Which that seems fair. Smart touch.
0: Yeah. Um, Little Big Planet Two, Little Big Planet series has always done a good job with those, like that community stuff yeah. and percolating the good stuff to the top and kind of keeping the crap away. Um. So I mean, I, I'm just interested to see if making a Mario level. Now that the tools are presumably easy to make a Mario level, if normal people can make awesome Mario levels or if it's something that like is requires ha- how much honing goes into into the platformers that Nintendo makes. Yeah. Anyway, um, somebody somebody we were talking to, I think Joey even said he wants to see this same concept for like Zelda one and Link to the Past. For adventures. Yeah. So that you can build a top down world and, and populate dungeons and all that. I'm stuff. sure if this works out. Yeah super zelda maker yep um let's see uh tons and tons of games i don't know if you guys want to i, I feel that's like that's not high points. Points. yeah i just want to say cuphead what's cuphead cuphead
2: looks awesome you haven't seen that no you, you, you gotta google the trailer it looks like a 1930s cartoon i love and it's, cartoons. it's a two-man team it and it looks like, you know, if Walt Disney had made a video game in, you know, his youth, this is what it would have looked like. It has like a touch of R of like our uh, darkness to it, yeah. but the animation is insane and th- it's just beautiful. It looks this like, looks like a cartoon that you are in- interacting with. Is it hand animated? Yeah. Oh wow. But it's really smooth for uh-huh. Xbox, right? Yeah, it is for Xbox,
0: but it, it's, it's one that a lot of people came out saying that's the game. Uh, s- I want Sony has the DLC exclusivity window for for Call of Duty now I don't know if I, I mean that's shitty for gamers but whatever Sony and really No Man's Sky hmm. PC simultaneous with oh really I didn't see that yeah that's awesome Um, I still don't know what that game is I think you just fly around to planets and shoot stuff they, they showed some space combat in that for the first time which was interesting yeah that, that's a interesting game I mean it's yes it could go either way yeah. I'm excited about it oh, these are totally Mickey Mouse gloves in Cuphead, look at that! Wow. Oh, yeah, that looks same. awesome. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, Minecraft Hololens, we've already talked about. I think the rest of this we're good on. Uh, SpaceX is doing a Hyperloop contest.
1: Yeah. What does that mean?
0: They're yeah. building a test track in California. Um, is that right? Let's
2: see. Oh, Elon's taking it back. He's saying, "All right, if no one else is going to make it, I'm going to go ahead and do that." He it put out it,
0: it out there.
1: It's, I know. You know. Sp- it. it, it it means it doesn't mean the Hyperloop is going to happen. It it actually feels more like a progression that that hmm. he's soliciting you know design from st- students and private places. But
0: well, but I mean, if we look at how this works for like the DARPA Robotics Challenge stuff that we went to a couple weeks ago, getting a but like seeding some teams with money and getting a bunch of people to try different approaches to things like the capsule design probably not a terrible i mean it's you know, potentially it's, a good idea it's very potentially a good
1: idea yeah. i think it's it definitely is a necessary step on how to get this technology working but it says to me that hyperloop is much less farther along than it's way more a pipe dream now than it could you know than we thought pipe when he, dream when he, yeah exactly well
0: he only released designs yeah and it was a sketch basically yeah, right. basically yeah, yeah. an so, idea so we gotta be realistic about well, well, how far industrial. we are Man, next year I'm taking the fucking Hyperloop to E3, man. I'm not getting on an airplane. Yeah, right. Um, Tesla Model Three. Yeah. The competition's gonna be next June. By the way, we should we should go to that. That yep. seems like a thing we should be at. Um, Tesla Model Three stuff. What well, um, out. I missed that. Well, they said they're going to do a hatchback
1: in addition to the sedan. Oh, that's <laughs> okay, good. In so case you are also interested in the hatchback version, still thirty five thousand dollars price, price target, and no designs yet. Uh, I think they're waiting for the okay. Model X to actually ship. I um, like hatchbacks. Yeah. Hatchbacks.
0: Hatchbacks are good. However you say that. Yeah. Um, raspberry, there's a Raspberry Pi case. It's nine bucks, seven pounds. It's official, so you don't have to print or cut or oh, I you see. Know, whatever you've done before. You can just get it when you get your Raspberry Pi on Amazon or wherever. Okay. Um, it's Philae. Philae, Philae's, the Rosetta, yeah. the Rosetta washing machine probe that landed. First thing that's ever touched a comet that was made by humans yes. woke up, woke up. So when it landed, it landed in a crevasse. It's solar powered. It landed in a crevasse last year, I guess. Long time ago, it seems like. Yeah. October maybe was shadowed. It didn't have enough power to run the solar panels. But in looping around the sun, it is now it is now getting enough light that he's awake it's awake. It's sending pictures. Presumably soon, uh, they're trying to reorient the antenna to be
1: in a better position. Okay, to send signals. Um, I wonder what how long it
2: has
0: before the comet dissolves too much or it's out of range again. I don't. I don't think how it's like. I think that there's enough mass on the comet that it won't yeah. dissolve. I mean, if there's a, I've seen Armageddon. So I know how like the steam <laughs> so you, vents and stuff work. So you know how it works. If it's on the steam vent, I mean, who knows what's going to happen when right. the when the when the water vapor blasts out? But uh, um, uh, Google announced some Nest updates. There's a new Protect, and they're updating the the Dropcam. So Google bought Dropcam after they bought Nest.
1: Yeah, Google bought Nest for if you forget it was like multi billions of dollars. Yeah, three commas. Um, yes, and uh, and then Nest as a subsidiary bought Dropcam for five hundred million dollars, uh, I believe, last year. Um, first of all, Nest Protect, new version, still hundred bucks. That's, now, that's the smoke changed. detector? That's the yeah. smoke detector. Uh, no more waving at it to turn it that's off. That's been turned yep. off for yep. a you year. Do it with an app now. Um, can you press the button still? You can press the button still. It has a microphone still um, for maintenance, um, and so you can say Nest test. No, I I think that it tries to make sure that the beep, the alarm works. Oh, okay. um, Oh, so it can hear itself.
0: Yes. Um, And then. Do you think it thinks its voice sounds weird? I don't know. Do I really sound like that? (laughs) What? What? That's not me.
1: Apparently, it has a better sensor, so it can detect between like fast moving things that are, you know, steam versus fire, smoke. Well, steam Um, versus
0: fire is a difference in the optical sensor versus the smoke. Like, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. But And then, like, you know, big fires versus just burnt toast. Okay. Um, and then drop cam now is nest cam. Okay. What so, changed? Uh, they integrated my nest and drop cam accounts a few weeks ago. hmm. You like, have I a got, drop like, cam. I have a drop cam. You use it as a baby cam. No, we got it cause we were thinking we were going to use it as a baby cam and then it's, it doesn't work very well. Huh. It's too laggy cause it goes out over the internet and comes back and like yeah. when the, like you don't want to wait for the, yeah, to know what the thump was. Uh, right. 1080p,
1: it'll do a uh, better night vision. Apparently, uh, still has the same subscription service, subscription service now called Nestaware, ten bucks a month for uh, ten days of video storage and uh, thirty dollars a month for thirty days.
0: Hmm. But you get that still seems really free. expensive. It is st- stupid expensive. Yeah, like both the camera. The camera. Here's the thing. The camera I think is probably worth the money because it's actually a really good camera, both in light and yeah, it's a wireless connect, wireless camera. Also, mm-hmm. and you get that dock and we do use it like when we have a babysitter coming to, like to make sure she gets tucked in and all that stuff if we're out then we'll plug it's it in it's security focused it's it's for that yeah, but security it's, in office versus um, like live monitoring But the problem with it is like I wanted to put it on the front door After we didn't use this baby monitor to see who was at the door When the doorbell rang But the lag is such that by the time you get the app loaded And wait for the app to load and wait wait for the app to connect And right. then like the person who rang on the doorbell was Has been gone for two minutes There's no so. way to stream peer-to-peer from the camera Not that I people. know of Did right.
1: you see that there was that Kickstarter for the keyhole? The smart keyhole?
0: No, what's key, I mean, the smart You mean thing the thing you, you put over your peak hole? Peak, peak, peak hole, peak, peak yeah ball? Nope you can put this thing over
1: your peephole, um, and it has a. It's wirelessly connected, um, so you can still see. I, I believe you can still see through it. But when someone rings your doorbell, uh, you can just flip on
0: the app and it's a webcam. It's a webcam, huh? Yeah. All right, that's cool. Except it takes power. Exactly. Well, but like for something that's low power like that, you can use one of those long lithium batteries, and you'll change it once a year. Uh, I don't know, man. As Wi-Fi is going to take up a lot of power. Um, that's true. Uh, let's see. Microsoft shuffles a bunch of executives and is doing more reorganization, and Stephen Elop is out. Hero of Nokia. What? Elop's gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's all I got there. Um, AMD announced some graphics cards, too, Norm. What's going on with that? Uh, three
1: that graphics cards. This is the Fury series, R, R9 390 um, and uh, Fury X. Uh, basically, on the high end, 650 bucks to compete with the um, the GTX 980 huh. uh, nothing to compete with the Titan next yet. Of course, we haven't tested these uh, The way they've designed their cards with stream processors versus Cuda cores is different. You can't compare those numbers um, But they have three new cards that are aligned now uh, in their 300 series with um, with at least up to the 980 TI on
0: Nvidia side and the 970 There we go um I think that's it for us this week. We're at two hours and some minutes. Uh, Anything you want to talk about? Well, here, I'll play some music. Hold on. Got to give your interstitial fix. I love those. Um, What's, uh, Norm, anything you've been testing you want to talk about? Um, I got some cool tiny circuits in. What are Uh, tiny circuits? It's stackable
1: Arduino shields. Ooh, can um, I see? Miniature, miniature. They're not Um, Arduino uh, shields. I mean,
2: Arduino shields are are like an actual form factor.
1: Right, 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 right. But they're the. This is Arduino compatible for the software, Uh, and they're stackable shields for things like SD card slot, um, accelerometers, displays. Oh, those are tiny. um, And you can make things. They're about the size of a quarter. For those of you who are listening, yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. Right. Uh, did you have to solder these, or did this come soldered? This comes that come that came to him as a Kickstarter uh, okay. award, um, but they were at Maker Faire. Uh, I don't know exactly what the pricing is when we're looking at that, uh, but they're cool. I mean, you can build little fun fun little displays and projects. Tiny with, with them.
0: I mean, that, like that for something. If you wanted to do like on the captain's chair that that we did, if you wanted to put an active display that actually showed something that was more than an animation, then there you go, right? Yeah, presumably. Well, that that display actually can do that. It has oh. a little computer on the back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been playing more Splatoon when I have a minute or two. I still haven't downloaded that. That game is great. I think that's going to be a big part of our summer break. It's, um, it's, it's like the thing I love about it is that they don't, there's no favorite map because they change, they cycle through the maps every day. So there's a pair of maps for the ranked ladder and there's a pair of maps for the, for the not ranked ladder. What? And you, those are the only two you can play all day. You can't go back and play your favorite map? The, it, it cycles every day. It's That's new crazy. every day. No, it's good because it forces you to play all the maps instead of just going to the map that you want. Huh? Like I, I'm, I'm a fan. You're talking about online. There's only online. Well, I mean, there's a, right? there's a campaign thing that you can go through. The campaign's a little weird. It's for kids. The online is where it's at. I I, I, I usually play like two huh. rounds right before bed at like 11 o'clock and I'm always playing against people in Japan who are way better at this than me. Uh-huh. It's a really neat game. Man. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Um. Uh, I, we'll talk about Pebble Time next week. I have thoughts. I have a new 3D printer. Ooh! I got the PrinterBot Plus Metal. What is the PrinterBot Plus Metal?
2: Well, it's I guess PrinterBot has had a Plus model for some time since the wooden days. Yes. Uh, and since they made the PrinterBot Simple Metal, which was a huge success for them, they have now revised their Plus model to be metal. And uh, I guess this is the first, <clears throat> like the second revision of that because they, um, I don't know, they call it the, the There's a model number that they sell it under now. It has to come with a heated bed, which is mainly like the re- main reason I wanted it. So heated bed, uh, ten cubic inches of print space. So bigger build platform, ten by ten by one. <clears throat> ten by ten by ten. Ten by ten by ten. Okay, yeah. and um, it's fantastic. I'm super happy with it. Coming from the the simple plus, is that a
0: thousand cubic inches of build space? I don't know. I, I just said, multiply
2: them. I, you know, I said whatever I said. Okay. Thank you for clarifying if it was incorrect.
0: I just was letting the commenters know that you <clears throat> that know. you knew. We knew. I, I, I said like you know ten inches cubed. Is yes. that what it that, is? That is, ten ten, yes. T- but ten, t- ten t- cubic t- inches. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, Simantics. I see what you're saying. Ten cubic inches is like that's different. Is like one by one by <clears> ten. <throat>
2: I'll say ten inches yeah. cubed. Um. Anyway, it. I'm super happy. It prints uh, flat. Things don't warp. If you're having, if you have a 3D printer without a heated bed, I've tried so many different things. It, I settled on the, this uh, blue tape that you found that worked very well, but it doesn't solve the whole problem. The heated bed really does make flat prints. If you want to
0: print stuff that's a significant portion of the bed size, you need yeah. heat to it's keep it from warping.
2: So I'm very happy. You know, it's about half the price of the uh, Ultimaker 2, which is the one everyone really says to get. Um, so, but I saved some money and I'm perfectly happy with it. And is it um, 1.75 mil filament? It is. Okay. That, that helps too. And I've been experimenting with different filaments too. So, but anyway, um, yes, printer Bot metal plus. Oh, I made a new camera mount for it. Really? Yeah. My camera
0: mount is quite the
2: popular camera. Mount I know. You,
0: you, but you have the camera mount for the printer rot simple metal. <laughs> it
2: really is like the one people use. Yeah. I see it on YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I revised it for the printer bot metal plus. One. Nice. Yeah. It can't shoot the whole 10 cubic inch. I can't shoot the whole print area because it's so close. I'll tell you a secret. That's good. What did you get? Did you get one of those wide-angle fisheye lenses? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, oh. I have a wonderful camera. It's like a third-party um, Raspberry Pi oh, compatible right. camera. Yeah, yeah. And it comes with a focusable fisheye lens. It probably can get. It gets the full width, but it can't get the full 10 inch height. It gets very high.
0: Are you using the new um, Raspberry Pi Two? Two. Yeah, it's better. And the devil branch of Octopi devil branch what is devil branch
2: development oh uh so the devil i thought you meant it was like for satan (laughs) all hail satan of 3d
0: printing yeah
2: oh boy uh and that they're actually she's actually very close to releasing uh the final 1.2 version it's a lovely piece of software has a plugin system now which is great lots of people have written cool plugins one of which uh records all of your prints in history so it Compiles that sums all of the, the amount of filament that you use. Oh, how, nice. how many your failures? How many are successes? Can you put in like your price? How much you're paying for a kilogram of fil- filament? Well, it does. It does, does do that, that stuff. Oh, maybe
0: not. Maybe not.
2: No, I'm okay. thinking of Simplify 3D, maybe. Which oh, yeah. that.
0: Okay. Um, I have a new Zojirushi. Uh, what? I have a new Zojirushi. A new thermal mug. A new mug. They sent me their new 16 ounce thermal mug, which if you put it next to Norm's, you can see the big difference. Is that it has a more svelte top, Uh, so the cup, like the cup where the coffee comes out, is smaller, which I actually don't like. That's the that's my takeaway on that. So stick with the old design for the thermal mug. We'll do a Hmm. show and tell or something for it at some point in the not distant future. Okay, it is merely okay. Merely okay. Still a really good thermal mug, but the the smaller mouth hole. See if you look, Norm has a much bigger cup where the coffee yeah. goes. Yeah, he got a big mouth. What, yeah. what, what do you mean? You don't get enough coffee? You can't smell it. Like that, <laughs> one, that one, your nose goes into it a little bit. You get a little bit of the whiffs. Yeah. You can taste and smell. This, you just get taste, so it doesn't taste as good. I did side by side testing. All right. Yeah. You got to smell the that bigger coffee. Bigger mouth. You, you want, like, why do wine glasses have a big nose hole on them for so your nose? For your nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um that'll do it for us this week. We will do questions next week, I promise. I know we've gone over both the last two weeks. Um, today's outro, I haven't unzipped yet. Uh, Norm, where can we find you on the internet? at Nchan uh, on Twitter and test.com. Uh we have a ton of stuff coming up on the site this week we've got um, way more stuff for e 3 thans on the site already the, the we'll have Morpheus video we'll have uh, the Xbox Elite controller video we'll have um, star, VR. star VR we'll have HoloLens. Recap. we'll have I think DARPA is coming up next week or the week after the, the week so after. the week after next week
1: we're doing uh, our week of build new week of build You guys got to check that out on Monday. What did we build this time, Norm? uh, We are learning some more stuff with Frank. It will be a tutorial series to learn some cool skills. Um, And then we're also currently running um, the new poster promotion for the summer, Um, the Comic-Con poster promotion. This is Adam's drawing, a line art drawing of his ILM model making toolboxes. Um, You can check that out. Go to test.com slash membership. You won't regret it. Um, Jeremy? Same question. Oh, I'm at at I think both
2: on
0: Twitter and tested.com. At J-E-R-W-A-R-E. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Anything cooking for you? You got anything coming down the pike you want to tease? Um,
2: I am uh, making progress on a revision of the game frame, which is coming along. And
0: I'm I'm happy with it. I got prototype parts arriving today. Cool. I can't wait to get home and check out. Stick in any. Okay. Can't wait to hear more about that as you get closer to, to talking about it. Yeah, it's it's not ready this month, but this this year. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I um, mean, you'll keep us posted. I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, so today's outro comes to us from Sean. Thanks, Sean. Ah, hi there. I didn't see you. Tested. I got excited. It happens to everybody. (laughs) I have no idea on that one. You? Nope. It sounded live. Yeah. It sounded like it was outside someplace, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, see you guys next week. Thanks for watching. Bye.